Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world. I'm Sam. I am. Welcome to the Lifeboats live stream. Okay, we've been kind of tackling some serious issues uh, with the shows lately. I kind of like the direction it's going. Um, we've Tonight's going to be no exception. Uh, we're going to look at what kind of revelations have come out of uh, this latest leak from Hunter Biden's laptop. Now, this is from the tablet. And it's a backup of an iPhone uh, from several years ago, I think back in 2017, uh, that was another family member's tablet. And then Biden took it over and started using it. And he had that backup stored on in the 450 gig. And it's about 26 gig. Uh, it's never been accessed because people couldn't crack the encryption. Well, somebody finally guessed the password. And if you've seen the, um, oh, the float chamber video, the green one where he's in there filming himself with his phone, uh, that was from this phone backup as well as a bunch of things that we're going to cover tonight. Uh, it paints a pretty disturbing picture. So, yeah, I, I mean... I just would ask you to sort of think about this, consider the implications. We're going to, I'm, I warned you guys that I was going to do this. We're going to actually read Lysander Spooner's no trees in the constitution, no authority, at least a, a little bit of the, the first two sections might make some constitutionalists cry with tonight's show. You've been warned. Uh, but I think it's going to leave you with some profound uh, conflicts within your belief system that I will kind of invite you to consider, think about, and see if you can resolve with logic and reason. Isn't that why we're here, right? Um, so we're going to go through that. There's also just amazing things happening on the vaccine front with people starting to wake up. Uh, some of the things that we've been talking about with the pilots are going mainstream, um, and their, their numbers are getting so bad right now that they absolutely have to stop reporting the data. And we've got several examples of that in, uh, New South Wales, where most of these people are in Australia that have had the pressure applied to them. They were just outright fabricating data as, uh, we're going to go through in a story as well. So where to begin? Well, first here. I'd like to congratulate Dvorak for being one of the first professional athletes in a long time to, you know, stand there with his hand on his heart and not actually be having a heart attack. <laughs> well done. Of course, he can't come to the United States. Why? Because Joe Biden's handlers have said, no, you will not lift the travel restrictions. So the unvaccinated are not allowed entry into America right now. Okay, so what happened? Well, here's, <laughs> here's the leak. So there was this 26 gig file on the, the iPad. Uh, people sat there and tried to figure out what it is. And let me blow this up for you. You can see there's and this has me a little curious here. You have 17,776 SMS available for recovery. Interesting number, but, you know, coincidences happen. Um, so that's kind of where it started, right? 
And then it moves on. And what they were able to do is get sort of an emulator for iOS, and they can basically access all of the data in the backup. So it's everything that was on that phone, all the contacts, phone numbers, videos, uh, search history, text messages, all of it, it's there. And people are feverishly uh, downloading the torrent and searching through it for information and posting it on 4chan right now. So this happened last night and people are like, Sam, Sam, check this out. And so I finally went over there and looked at it and I'm like, oh boy, okay, this is going to get interesting. So we're going to go through that and I want to start it starts, you know, at an unusual place here, I think. Joe Biden, president of the United States, used a KGB spy alias from a Tom Clancy novel, Jack Reacher, emails from Hunter's laptop show. Now, think of this here. Let me read this to you. Joe Biden wrote to his son Hunter and others close to him using the pseudonym Peter Henderson, a fictional Soviet Union-era spy in several Tom Clancy novels who infiltrated the U.S. government. And then what happens? He gets caught and becomes a double agent. Think about that in, all the, in the context of all the shows we did about Q and that we did about uh, Biden instead of Biden. And the, fact, the suggestion that these people have been replaced like Somehow, I don't know, doesn't make a lot of sense, but interesting that this becomes all of a sudden the email address, the pseudo uh, pseudonym for Joe Biden in 2016. Biden sent a message using an email address with a username of 67 Stingray, a clear reference to his Corvette here. Those of you watching can see it. Um, <clears throat> the name attached to Biden's 67 Stingray account at the time was Peter Henderson, which matches the name of, a, of the KGB spy in Clancy's popular Jack Ryan series. Henderson, whose code name was Celsius, Cassius in Clancy's realm, worked as a minor Senate aide in 1970 before becoming a Russian spy who was later caught by the CIA and turned double agent. Hmm. Kind of makes you wonder, doesn't it? Okay, let's go back here. So the next thing that kind of comes out of here is this right here. And what we're looking at are some messages. Let me blow it up full screen for you from Hunter's uh, phone here. And you can see in this phone... He's got this name right here that is Peter Petto. Or sorry, Petto Peter. And he's got that with mom <laughs> and her with her account. He's got that with, you know, various family members throughout this list. And uh, these are his real messages from that phone. He literally referred to his father as Pedo Peter, the secret CIA double agent who's also a pedophile. It's like it's an open secret 
in the family. And this is the person in charge of the United States of America and their military. If he's a pedophile, do you understand the blackmail leverage that they would have over these people? There is nothing that these guys would not do to placate whoever is controlling them, the cabal. Why would they? Their whole lives will be destroyed. They might be killed. They'd rather just do it and go along for the ride because it's quite the ride for them, apparently, with all these things that they're doing. So I also came across this last night, which now this has been out for a while. These are pages from, I think it's Ashley Biden's diary. Sorry, I don't know all the details, the specifics here, but I want you to read this. This is, we hear about the um, showers with my dad, probably uh, not appropriate. That's, that's where that line is right there at the second, first page on the bottom. And like, I've heard that, that's been the mantra of the mainstream media or anybody that's covered it. That's the line that they pick out. And I thought, okay, that's a little weird. But when I read this thing and actually see what these two pages represent, it's an entirely different picture. And I want you guys to also have that perspective. So says, um, grade and showing that it kind of cuts in from a previous page in the middle of a mid sentence. Uh, grade and showing the boys my underpants hypersexualized at a young age. Uh, what is this due to? Was I molested? I think so. I can't remember uh, specifics, but I do remember trauma. I remember not liking uh, the Weezak's house. I remember similar being sexualized with. Um, Laney, I think it is, or Laureen. I remember having sex with friends at a young age. Showers with my dad, probably not appropriate. Being turned on when I was, wasn't supposed to be. I remember the Q-tips. I hated getting my ears clean. Uh, bathe, what is that? Uh, bathing my vagina due to overhearing my parents having sex. What makes me so attached? My mother, not uh, emotionally available. My father was a uh, message. I will, uh, what is that? I would get love from men. I never get love from men, I think is what she's saying. Uh, I'm not your mother, in quotes. <laughs> Blanket being taken away. Not something myself go to the bat letting myself go to the bathroom being wrapped up until it's too late in the game i could uh list all the reasons but i can't seem some come to find so when you actually see what she's describing in there she is searching her soul for her past because I think she's been so traumatized by these experiences that she has mentally blocked it out and she literally can't remember it. And it seems like from these two pages that she's getting glimpses of being sexually abused and passed around to other families to be sexually abused 
as a young child. That's what this is implying right here. That's kind of who these people are. Don't think so? Well, this was also on the tablet, or on the phone, I'm sorry. Let me show you. This is Hunter Biden's niece. And what you can see there are three pictures of her showing her left uh, leg, the outside of her left leg, and they've circled. They've put little red circles around two spots, one above the other, one a little bigger than the other, on her left ankle on the outside, and one a little bit, just a couple inches above that. Okay, so those are known pictures of her, verified, validated, that's her. And then we have this little square box down here, and what you can see is that same foot with those same two skin marks on them, the exact same pattern in the same place. And what's halfway in the picture there is Hunter Biden's penis. This is one of his sex tapes. He was getting a foot job from this girl. Uh, she, I don't know how old she is in this picture. She doesn't. I mean, maybe 14, maybe older. I, I, that, I, my guess would be around 14 is how old she looks. If that, who knows? And of course, what else do we know from the, the tablet? Remember Molina's credit card with the lines of Coke or, or white powder, whatever it is, we don't know. Diced out, probably Coke. Diced out on the uh, nightstand at the hotel. And we've got what? A picture of a girl laying on the bed facing forward. Can't see her face. With a couple of marks on the on her, I think it's her right leg. And then we've got pictures of Melina Trump. This is her credit card with the blow on it. Got her platinum Visa Morgan, uh, JP Morgan Visa card. And like... Who are these people, right? Have you ever thought about that? I mean, I think these guys love to, the, the cabal loves to throw it in your face so much that they're like, okay, what are we going to do next, right? We've got, uh, I got it. I'm going to make a gay black man from Kenya and his gay lover president of the United States and People will think they're a traditional American values family. And we got Obama. Those are not even his kids. Those kids have probably potentially been sex trafficked and traded around. I've been listening to these stories of the ritual, uh, ritualistic abuse survivors that talk about this kind of abuse that's going on. And it seems eerily similar here. And if that's really who these people are, then they are so utterly and completely compromised, they will do absolutely anything that they are ordered to do by their, the people controlling them. That's who's in charge of our society. 
some people running pedophile rings, abusing and raping children, and a whole laundry list of other things as they extract your wealth and leave you poorer. Here's another one. Haley Biden on Hunter Biden's iPhone. Whose hand is that? Oh, well, we know. It's Jill. The women are taking part in this too. We have a stick, a sick and depraved family ruling our country. No, they're not. They're not ruling anything. They're doing what their masters tell them to do. We have a shadowy cabal of some of the worst people who have seized power around the world and do as they please. Here's another one of the Bidens. Here's a, uh, another pseudonym, a pseudonym email that Hunter created. This is for a dating site. Of course, he's also got uh, right here his broom closet oral exam appointment. Don't forget that. I don't think I would be late for that. It sounds like fun. <laughs> and, uh, of course, here he is at his drug dealer's house. Buying 20 grams of something. I don't know if that's fish scale or math or something else. Without the bag. So how long is 2.0. Looks really nice, right? And what else has come out? Now, this was previously from the iPad. But right here, these are lists of payments to escorts, right? And you can see the first one there. Elizabeth Scundy. $74,900. Ladies and gentlemen, that must be some amazing pussy right there to pay that kind of price. Or it's just some great pussy that comes with a, a delivery, a key of cocaine or something. I think that's what we're looking at here. Is these are, these are drug deals that come with a little sugar that delivers it. And that's why he's paying, spending hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that video was actually captured from his, um, I think he, he put that on Instagram or something, didn't realize he was recording. Somebody was screen recording and captured it. <laughs> so, okay, what else here? Here's a... Uh, a text message. This is from Ashley Biden. Basically, so Bo Biden dies. Hunter starts sleeping with his wife. And Ashley, he's telling the kids things about it that's really upsetting Ashley. And she's telling him, don't do that. So there's that kind of thing going on there. Remember the whole gun permit thing? Well, they found that conversation. Here it is. So if you don't remember... um, he filled out a form for a, a federal firearms, I forget what it is, concealed carry permit, 
something like that, and um, lied on the form about his drug use while he was in and out of rehab, okay? And, well, it came out, and here's how it came out, for those of you that don't know. Um, he's writing Haley Biden here, and he's he's scolding her for basically saying that, oh, next time this happens again, implying that there will be a next time because he's such a fuck up and, and he's very upset by this, right? He's saying you're you're ducking amazing. And he hadn't turned on his uh, turned off his um, curse word sensor yet. You know what's going to happen to me if someone finds that if someone uses that Haley, and she's saying I'm at the end of my sanity. He writes back, uh, "What do you? What right do you fucking have, Haley? Uh, there are five guns in Dad's house. You know the same Joe Biden that wants to take all your guns." Yeah, he's not just doing what somebody tells him, pushing whatever agenda he's given, no matter how ridiculous. No, he's he's changing his beliefs, right? That's why he's got five guns at home. There are fucking more weapons in your son's room than at an, at an armory. Uh, what's my fuck up? Owning a gun? How, Haley, is that wrong? It's only wrong if you make me out to be unstable. I'm proven unstable when you put a gun in the trash can at the, I think at the grocery store or something like that. So she sees this gun, goes and throws it in a trash can and the police get involved and uh, that's how this came out. So here was the message between him and, and Haley. Okay. So I want to talk philosophy here for a minute because it ties in directly with what we're seeing. I want you to see the very nature of government and this kind of stuff really won't surprise you one bit. And we're going to talk, this is on the Mises Institute. They've actually got the audio book for those of you that want to listen to it. Uh, it's on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. It's called No Treason the Constitution of No Authority. Um, we're going to read some excerpts from it, but I want you to know who Lysander Spooner was. He was born in 1808, died in 1887, about 150 years ago. Uh, he's an American individualist, anarchist, and legal theorist known mainly for setting up a commercial post office in competition with the government and thereby being shut down. Right? He took the more profitable stuff and left them to try and figure out how their socialized system was supposed to work without the, the, the gravy, you know, kind of thing. And it, the answer is, well, we call men with guns and we say, if you try and compete with us for anything under a dollar, uh, we can send our men with guns to shut you down. And that's what they did. They started arresting his letter carriers, putting him in jail. He was also the author of some of the most radical political and economic writings of the 19th century and continues to have huge influence on libertarian thinkers today, like myself, right? This was a, this blew my mind when I heard it the first time. He was a dedicated opponent of slavery in all its forms, even advocating guerrilla war to stop it, which mm, I don't know about all that. Okay. No treason, the constitution of no authority. So I know there are a lot of you out there that are in the MAGA crowd, the pro, very pro-government. I have a, had a personal um, situation this week with somebody over, I think, something along these lines. And that's kind of what pushed me in this direction initially. 
for the show. So I want to show you what he's doing here. He wrote this series of, I think it was five different essays over like uh, four years, something like that, leading up to his death. And um, this is one of them. And I think it's an absolute excellent uh, retort of the Constitution. So I want you guys to hear this, try this on, and I challenge you to work out these conflicts for yourself. The Constitution has no inherent authority or obligation. It has no authority or obligation at all unless as a contract between a man and a man. It does not so much as even purport to be a contract between persons now existing. It purports at most only to be a contract between persons living 80 years ago, plus 150 years, because that's when he wrote this. Um, So what is he talking about there? Well, it's a dead letter. If you sign a contract and write your name on it, that is, you know, a contract that's enforced with you. If uh, you don't sign it, well, guess what? You're not a party to that contract, except when it comes to the Constitution somehow. And that's what he's starting to point out here. We know historically that only a small portion of even the people then existing were consulted on the subject, right? or permitted to express their uh, consent or dissent in any formal manner, if any did give uh, their consent, they're all dead now. So it is a dead letter, is what that the legal term for that is called. And the Constitution, so far as it was, thus, as it was their contract, died with them. They had no natural power or right to make it obligatory on their children. It is not only plainly impossible in the nature of things that they could bind their posterity, but they did not even attempt to bind them. Does not purport to be an agreement between anybody but the people then existing, nor does it either expressly or implied assert any right, power, or disposition on their part to bind anybody but themselves. I can't write up a contract that you don't sign, that you don't agree to, that uh, that uh, obligates you to do things for me. This is just basic common sense. But yet when it's done as a government, then it, it's magical, right? And he's pointing out the language here. We, the people of the United States, that is the people then existing in the United States, in order to form a more perfect union, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberties to ourselves and our posterity. Now, that's an important phrase. Do ordain and establish this Constitution for the United States of America. Okay, so what is he pointing out there? Well, and our posterity, you need to think about that. Suppose we, the people of Boston, agree to maintain a fort on Governor's Island to protect ourselves and our posterity against invasion. When a man says he's building a house for himself, that, uh, sorry, let me skip. I don't want to skip over that. So does that mean, though, that future generations have to also garrison the fort, right? When a man says he is building a house for himself and his posterity, does he not mean to be understood as saying that he has any thought of binding them, nor is it to be inferred that he is so foolish as to imagine that he has any right or power to bind them to live in it. You, he, he can't force his kids, no, you have to live in this house. I've built it for you. Now you have to live here. You don't, you're not allowed to move. He only means his hopes and motives in building it are that they may find it in their happiness to live in it. 
But, you know, once he's gone and it's theirs, well, they can decide, "Mm, I want to fix it up and rent it. I want to live in it. I want to sell it. Those who originally adopted the Constitution, whatever may have been their personal intentions, the legal meaning of their language so far as their posterity was concerned, simply was that their hopes and motives in entering into the agreement were that it might prove useful and acceptable to their posterity, that it might prove their union, safety, tranquility, and welfare, that it might tend to, quote, secure them in the blessings of liberty. The language does not assert nor at uh, all imply any right, power, disposition on the part of the original parties to the agreement to compel their posterity to live under it. If they had intended to bind their posterity, they should have said that their objective was to, quote, not secure them to the blessings of liberty, but to make slaves of them. For in if their posterity are bound to live under it, then they are nothing less than slaves of their foolish, tyrannical, dead grandfathers. It cannot be said that the Constitution formed the people of the United States for all time into a corporation. It does not speak of the people as a corporation, but as individuals. A corporation does not describe itself as we, nor as people, nor ourselves, nor does a corporation in legal language have any posterity. It supposes itself to have and speaks of itself as having perpetual existence in a single individuality. No body of men existing at any time have the power to create a perpetual corporation. A corporation can become practically perpetual only by the voluntary accession of new members as the old ones die off. Like people have to come voluntarily join your little club for it to continue surviving. You can't say, no, this is going to be around forever. But for the voluntary accession of new members, the corporation necessarily dies with the death of those who originally composed it. The question arises whether their posterity have bound themselves. If they have done so, they can have done so in only one or both of these ways by voting or paying taxes. Let's take the voting one first. Here we go. All of the, you thought there was fraud in the election, just wait till you understand this. All of the voting that has ever taken place under the Constitution has been of such kind that it not only did not pledge the whole people to support the Constitution, but it did not even pledge that any one of them to do so as the following considerations show. In the very nature of things, the act of voting could bind nobody but the actual voters. Property qualifications were required. This was basically wealthy white landowners who got together and voted on behalf of a bunch of other people and created a contract that extended to people who didn't sign it. During the first 20 or 30 years under the Constitution, not more than one-tenth, one-fifteenth, or perhaps one-twentieth of the whole population, black and white, men and women and minors, were permitted to vote. So far as voting was concerned, incurred Uh, that didn't incur any obligation to support the Constitution. At the present time, it is probable that not more than one-sixth of the whole population are permitted to vote. No, that is not a pledge either to support the Constitution. No one by voting can be said to pledge himself for any longer period than for which he votes. So, you know, you elect someone for a two-year term or one-year office. When that office is done, 
your support if you did give it is over with, right? I cannot be said to thereby pledged my support to the government beyond that one-year term that I voted for. It cannot be said that by voting, a man pledges himself to support the Constitution unless the act of voting be perfectly voluntary one on his part. Yet the act of voting cannot properly be called voluntary uh, one, a voluntary one on the part of any very large number of those who do vote. It is rather a measure of necessity imposed on them by others than by one of their own choice. So we've talked about the gun in the room, and that's really what he's driving towards here with voting. Okay. In truth, in the case of individuals, their actual voting is not to be taken as proof of consent, even for the time being. On the contrary, it is to be considered that without his consent having ever been asked, a man finds himself in, uh, environed by a government that he cannot resist, a government that forces him to pay money, render service, and forego the exercise of many of his natural rights. Under pale, peril of weighty punishments, he sees two that other men practice this tyranny over him by use of the ballot, the gun in the room. He sees further that if he will but use the ballot himself, he can wrestle that ballot away and vote to point the gun at them. He has some chance of relieving himself of the tyranny of others by subjecting them to his own. In short, he finds without his consent so situated that if he used the ballot, he may become a master. If he does not use it, he must become a slave. Because there is no opt-in or opt-out of governments. In self-defense, he attempts the former. His case is analogous to that of a man who has been forced into battle where he must either kill others or be killed himself. Because to save his own life in battle, a man takes the lives of his opponents it is not to be inferred that the battle is one of his own choosing. The ballot is a mere substitute for a bullet. And that is absolutely correct. That is what we're doing. We're directing government violence against others. Fighting perpetually for the gun in the room. Meanwhile, they have co totally corrupt, compromised pedophiles running the country in an exigency into uh, which has been forced by others and in which no means of self-defense offered as a matter of necessity used only one that was left to him. Like you can't fight back against the government, right? Because they just come back with more guns and kill you. So you just have to vote harder, guys. Vote harder not one of which uh, they had voluntarily set up or even consented to. The act of voting on general principles of law and reason, it cannot be said that the government has any voluntary supporters at all until it can be distinctly shown who its voluntary supporters are. So now he's attacking the secrecy in the process. Like we're all taught, oh, it's good that your votes are secret and so forth, but yeah, not really. As taxation is made compulsory on all, whether they vote or not, a large proportion of those who vote no doubt do so to prevent their own money being used against themselves. 
when in fact they would have gladly abstained from voting if they could thereby have saved themselves from taxation alone. But see, here's the problem with that, this idea. When you go in and lobby against some corporation that wants some sweetheart deal from the government that's going to increase taxes for you, it's like a dollar, dollar fifty, maybe ten dollars difference to you. So your budget to fight that is a few dollars. But to the companies, they're going to make millions, tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. So their budget to lobby the government to allow it far exceeds yours. The return on lobbying, I think, is like 60,000%. Okay. So the incentives are completely broken here. The people that are able to use the big government and uh, get in bed with them, they have a far superior advantage to everybody else. Okay. Uh, let's see. To, to take a man's property, let me see. Uh, if they could uh, thereby have saved themselves from taxation alone to say nothing of being saved from all the other usurpations and tyrannies of the government, to take a man's property without his consent and then to infer his consent because he attempts by voting to prevent that property from being used to his injury is very insufficient proof of his consent to support the Constitution. It is, in fact, no proof at all. And as we uh, can have no legal knowledge as to who the particular individuals are that voted for these taxations, if there are any who are willing to be taxed for the sake of voting, we can have no legal knowledge that any particular individual consents to be taxed for the sake of voting or consequently consents to support the Constitution. Those who vote for the unsuccessful candidates cannot properly be said to have voted to sustain the Constitution, right? What if they were against the status quo of bigger, more government, either from the red team or the blue team? They may with more reason be supposed to have voted not to support the Constitution, but to specifically to prevent the tyranny which they anticipate will success, the successful candidate intends to practice upon them under the Constitution. This is the whole lesser of two evils because they're only going to give you two choices. They control both of them. It's just a question of which way we're going to grow the government over the next four years. Are we going to do it on the red team or on the blue team? But both of them grow the government bigger, take more of your freedoms, extract more of your wealth because you are property to them. This is a system of slavery. Voting is the only mode allowed to them once again. In short, a man's voluntary support of the Constitution is doubtless, in most cases, wholly contingent upon the question whether, by means of the Constitution, they can make themselves masters or are made to be slaves. Such contingent consent is that, as that is, in law and reason, no consent at all. Somebody coercing you into making a decision, taking a shot, is not you making a free, exercising a free voluntary choice. It is coercion and force and violence. 
Everybody, as everybody who supports the Constitution by voting does so secretly in a way to avoid all personal responsibility for the acts of his agents or representatives, it cannot legally or reasonably be said that anybody at all supports the Constitution by voting. No man can reasonably or legally be said to do such a thing as uh, assent to support the Constitution unless he does it openly in a way to make himself personally responsible for the acts of his agents so long as they act within the limits and the powers he delegates to them, right? So they're saying this: the fact that there is no accountability here is a huge, huge problem. As all voting is secret and all secret governments are necessarily only secret bands of robbers, tyrants, and murderers, the general fact that our government is practically carried on by means of such voting only proves that there is among us a secret band of robbers, tyrants, and murderers whose purpose is to rob and slave and so far as necessary to accomplish their purposes, murder the rest of the people. He's talking about the cabal. Whoever's pulling the strings of the Biden crime family and the Fauci crime family and all of the other figureheads around the world. The simple fact is that the existence of such bans does nothing towards proving that the people of the United States or any one of them voluntarily supports the Constitution. Just because they're, they're threatening me doesn't mean I've consented to this. So far, therefore, as voting is concerned, the Constitution, legally speaking, has no supporters at all by you know legal mechanism is what he's kind of pointing out. There is not the slightest probability that there is a single man in the country who both understands what the Constitution really is and sincerely supports it for what it really is. The ostensible supporters of the Constitution are made up of these three classes. One, knaves, a numerous and active class who see in the government an instrument which they can use for their own aggrandizement or wealth. These are the sociopaths, the psychopaths, the people that are attracted to the CEO jobs and the government jobs. Why? Because they get power over others. Two, dupes, a large class, no doubt, each of whom, because he is allowed one voice out of millions in deciding what he may do with his own person and his own property, and because he is permitted to have the same voice in robbing, enslaving, and murdering others that others have in robbing, enslaving, and murdering himself is stupid enough to imagine that he is a free man, a sovereign, and that this is a free government, a government of equal rights, the best government on earth, USA, USA, right? And such like absurdities. Number three, a class who have some appreciation for the evils of government, but either do not see how to get rid of them or do not choose to so far sacrifice their private interests to give themselves seriously and earnestly to the work of making change. This is part three. We're going to get into taxes now. The payment of taxes being compulsory, of course, furnishes no evidence that anyone voluntarily supports the Constitution. It is true that the theory of our Constitution is that all taxes are paid voluntarily, that our government is a mutual insurance company voluntarily entered into by people with each other, uh, that each uh, man makes a free and purely voluntary contract with all others 
who are parties to the Constitution, signers, right? To pay so much money for so much protection at the, the same as he does with any other insurance company, and that he is just as free not to be protected and not to pay tax as he is to pay a tax and be protected, should be able to opt into government is what he's saying there. Because why? Governments need competition. That is the root of this problem. Is there a monopoly on violence? It's going to lead to this, the Biden crime family and mass murder time and time and time and time again until we get tired of repeating this and evolve as a species. But this theory of our government is wholly different from a practical fact. The fact is that the government, like a highwayman, says to you, your money or your life. And many of you, and many, if not most, taxes are paid under the compulsion of that threat. The government does not, indeed, waylay a man in a lonely place, spring upon him from the roadside, holding a pistol to his head, proceed to rifle his pockets. But the robbery is nonetheless a robbery on that account, as it is far more dastardly and shameful. This is why we call them road pirates. <laughs> the police. The highwayman takes... Uh, solely upon himself the responsibility, danger, and crime of his own act. He does not pretend that he has any rightful claim to your money, that he intends to use it for his own benefit. He does not pretend to be anything but a robber. He has not acquired impudence enough to profess to be merely a protector and that he takes men's money against their will merely to enable him to protect those infatuated travelers who feel perfectly able to protect themselves or do not appreciate his particular system of protection, right? You're, we're going to serve you whether you placed an order or not, sir. I remember one of the activists getting served and he's like, but wh what is this? I didn't order anything. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm serving you. See, this is me serving you, doing you a favor, giving you this piece of paper, which is a veiled threat for violence if you don't comply. I'm serving you, sir. You've been served. How did you like your service? <sighs> he is too sensible a man to make such professions as these. Furthermore, having, to, having taken your money, he leaves you as you wish him to do. He does not persist in following you on the road against your will, assuming, you, assuming to be your rightful sovereign on account of the protection he affords you. He does not keep protecting you by commandeering, uh, by commanding you to bow down and serve him, by requiring you to do this and forbidding you to do that, by robbing you of more money as often he finds it uh, for his interest and pleasure to do so, and by branding you as a rebel, a traitor, and an enemy of your country as, and shooting you down without mercy if you dispute his authority or resist his demands. Like Randy Weaver's wife at Ruby Ridge or like Waco where the Davidians were trying to talk to the sheriff who they were friends with, but the ATF came in. They wanted to make a big show of it, went out there with guns, shot someone through the front door unprovoked and then got into a gunfight with those guys, ran out of bullets and walked away. The Davidians let them walk away. And what did they turn them into? 
this is what they do to maintain their power over you. Uh, In short, he does not, in addition to robbing you, attempt to make you either his dupe or his slave. So this is a free-range slavery system, right? Because, like, directly owning the slaves, that was so much work. But when we can kind of farm it out to these corporations and they farm the slaves for us and make things and kick back money to us, that's such a better system because the slaves think that they're free to roam about and live their life and do whatever they please, but little do they know how much we're controlling and restricting their lives while extracting their wealth. How many months of the year, and yes, it is months with an S, plural, do you think you work right now for the federal government? The proceedings of those robbers and murderers who call themselves the government are directly opposite of those of the single highwayman. In the first place, they do not, like him, make themselves individually known or consequently take upon themselves personally the responsibility of their acts. On the contrary, they secretly, by secret ballot, designate some of their number to commit the robbery on their behalf, while they keep themselves practically concealed. So here's the implementation of policing, right? And the sheriffs. And well, that's not not my department. I didn't do that. That's just the law. We have a different department that writes the law, different department that enforces the law. So you're going to have to go talk to them. They'll tell you, you just have to change the law. We're just doing what the law says. (laughs) Look at what it's turned into. Look at the FBI hiding the fact that Joe Biden is a pedophile for decades, people. They are criminals. That's who's in control of our society, being directed by wacko child-molesting murderers. That's what the banker song is explaining to you in the beginning. Okay. In the first place, they do not like him, uh, make themselves individually known, secret ballot, sorry, uh, while they keep themselves practically concealed. Okay, so they say to the person thus designated, go to A and B and say to him that the government has need of money to meet the expenses of protecting him and his property. You know, think of this as property tax, okay? If he presumes to say that he has never contracted with us to protect him and that he wants none of our protection, say to him that it is our business and not his (laughs) that we choose to protect him. Well, we're going to provide you with the services whether you want them or not, whether he desires us to do so or not, and that we demand pay too for protecting him. (laughs) I know you don't want our service, but we're going to make you pay for it. And if you don't, We'll tell you you have to leave your property, your home. And if you don't leave, we'll show up with men with guns and we'll drag all your street out onto the front and we'll drag you out. And if you don't go and you refuse, then we will uh, we'll tie you up and we'll drag you off to a cage. And if you fight back and resist that effort, we will beat you up. And if you keep elevating it, we will murder you. 
to relieve you of your property to fund our system. That's what backs up. That's what funds government. This group of people's willingness to murder to ring the cash register. If he dares to inquire who the individuals are who are have thus taken upon themselves the title of the government and who to assume and who assume to protect him and demand payment of him without his having ever made any contract with him, they say to him that too is our business, not his. If he refuses to comply, seize, or sell enough of his property to pay not only our demands, but all of your own expenses and trouble, because, you know, when the government fights you, they use your money against you. When you fight the government, you use your money to defend yourself. If he resists the seizure of his property, call upon the bystanders to help you. Doubtless some of them will prove to be members of our band, right? Because the government just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, doesn't it? If in defending his property, he should kill any of our band who are assisting you, capture him at all hazards, charge him with murder, convict him and hang him. If he should call upon his neighbors or any of those, any others who like him may be disposed to resist our demands and they should come in large numbers to his assistance, cry out that they are all rebels and traitors to our country and that our country is in danger. Call upon him, the commander of our hired murderers, the army, the, the police, the FBI, whatever. Tell him to quell the rebellion and save the country, cost what it may. Tell him to kill all who resist, though they should, say, should be hundreds of thousands and thus strike terror into all the others similar, similarly disposed. Teach him a lesson, right? When these traitors shall have thus been taught our strength and our determination, they will be good, loyal citizens for many years and pay their taxes without a why or a wherefore. That's what is, that is the foundation of government. Right there. That's the gun in the room. That's the monopoly on violence. It is under such compulsion that uh, taxes so-called are paid and how much proof the payment of tax affords that the people consent to support the government. It needs no further argument to show payment of taxes implies no consent, no pledge to support the government is that the taxpayer does not know and has no means of knowing who the particular individuals are who compose the government to him. The government is a myth and abstraction and in uh, corporeality with which he can make no contract and to which he can give no consent and make no pledge. He knows it only through its pretend agents, the government itself he never sees. Because what is it? It's a, it's a piece of paper. Voting being all done secretly, who practically compose the government for the time being, has you have no way of knowing. Not know who's responsible for what they're doing. That's what he's pointing out is this break in the chain of accountability. There's no accountability in the government unless they do something so grotesque or offensive, insulting that it creates a public backlash and then they fire the person, but do nothing to change the incentives that created that behavior that drove that behavior in the first place. 
Uh, all he knows is that a not knowing who the particular individuals are that call themselves the government are, he does not know to whom he pays his taxes to. All he knows is that a man comes to him representing himself to be the agent of the government, that is, the agent of a secret band of robbers and murderers who have taken to themselves the title of the government and have determined to kill everybody who refuses to give them whatever money they demand. To save his life, he gives up his money to this agent, but this agent does not make his principles individually known to the taxpayer. The latter, after he's given up his money, knows no more who got who are the government, that is, who were the robbers, than he did before. To say he entered into a voluntary contract with them is simply ridiculous. You can't threaten somebody's life, and then when they, to hand over money or, or your house, and if you resist, we'll kill you, and then when they give you money, say, thank you so much for your business. We appreciate your voluntary payment any more than you can threaten someone's job if they don't take a shot and not call it coercion. All political power so-called rests practically upon this matter of money. Any number of scoundrels having money enough to start with can establish themselves a government because with money they can hire soldiers and with soldiers extort more money and also compel general obedience to their will. This is something Caesar understood, right? And isn't that what's happening? They've gotten more and more effective. Now they're not having to do as many direct taxes. I see these, um, these people where they say, look, I paid income tax on my earnings. Then I go to buy something with the money I've paid taxes on and I get charged sales tax and this tax and that tax. And what, what the hell is with all these taxes? Well, the simple answer is the government just keeps taking and taking and taking and it will never be satiated. They will never get enough. They will never come up, wake up one day and be like, we've done it this time. We figured out the final law that's going to make our society perfect and we're going to stop here. <laughs> that's never happening, folks. Sorry to burst your bubble there. They will just keep growing and growing and growing the government until it collapses and it usually ends in mass murder. Guess what's happening? For this reason, whoever desires liberty should understand, one, that every man who puts money in the hands of the government, so-called, puts it in the hands of, puts into its hands a sword which will be used against him to extort more money from him and also to keep him in subjugation to its arbitrary will. Two, those who will take his money without his consent in the first place will use it for his further robbery and enslavement. If he presumes to resist their demands in the future, three, that it is perfectly absurd, that it is a perfect absurdity to suppose that any body of men would ever take a man's money without his consent for any such, such object as they profess to take it for, that of protecting him, for why should they wish to protect him? Just as absurd as it would be to suppose that they would take his money without his consent for the purpose of buying food or clothing for him when he did not want it. If a man wants protection, he is competent to make his own bargainings for it and nobody has any occasion to rob him in order to protect him. See, this is where the Constitution really falls apart. They're trying to protect individual rights and their first action is to violate them in order to collect the resources that they need 
to do that. They do compulsory taxation and threaten and maim and murder people who don't go along. You're not protecting individual rights. You're threatening them. And then, you know, let's not forget, folks, this America, United States government, it was an experiment in small, limited government, right? Well, guess what? It fucking failed big time by every measure. So, Lysander is being proven far more true. Think about how much bigger the government is today than it was 150 years ago when he wrote this. Can you see the trend? Huh? Where do you think this stops? Can this just go on forever? These people taking more and more of our, our wealth. And now they don't even, they, they've done so many of the direct taxes, they've just gone to money printing which is just a hidden tax where they're sapping the wealth of the dollars in circulation and giving it to the new ones that they print up and then hand out to the dependent class to keep this whole racket going. And they rake in millions and millions and millions of dollars. Look at these congressmen. Look at their wealth. Increase tens, hundreds of millions of dollars on a $470,000 a year salary in just a couple of short years. It's amazing. It's like they're so lucky once they become uh, elected officials. Okay. Uh, let's see. I think we're on five. That only the, That the only security men can have for their political liberty consists in keeping their money in their own pockets until they have assurances perfectly satisfactorily to themselves that it will be used as they wish it to be used for their benefit, not for their injury. Like, yeah, no, I'm not going to pay you to search through my car and look for something that you can kidnap me on and hold me ransom, peace officer. But that's what they do today because they're trying to ring that cash register to make their quota, which is not a quota. It's a recommendation. Six, that no government so-called can reasonably be trusted for a moment or reasonably, reasonably be supposed to have honest purposes in a view any longer than it depends wholly upon voluntary support. And this gets back to like one of my favorite quotes. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. I heard Thich Nhat Hanh say that. One of my favorite people in the world. And what does it mean? He talks about one does not war their way to peace. If you wish to bring about peace, you go out and you be peaceful. Okay. You can't go out and murder people and then have people think that, you know, or, or go out and attack people's liberty in the name of protecting their liberty. That's warring your way to peace. It's not going to work. There is no way to peace. Peace is the way. These facts are all so vital and so self-evident. We're almost done here. I know this is a bit long. Sorry, guys. Thank you for hanging in there. 
Uh, it cannot be reasonably suppo- supposed that anyone will voluntarily pay money to a government for the purpose of securing his protection unless he first make an explicit, purely voluntary contract with it for that purpose. It is perfectly evident, therefore, that neither such voting nor such paying of taxes as actually takes place proves anybody's consent or obligation to support the Constitution. Consequently, we have no evidence at all that the Constitution is binding upon anybody or that anybody is under uh, contract or obligation whatsoever to support it. So, and this goes on and on. That was just the very small you know, intro, first couple paragraphs, first chapters, basically. Um, This is available. It's been out, you know, it's in public domain. It's on YouTube. It's on, you know, podcast, No Treason, The Constitution of No Authority by Lysander Spooner, who was beating the post office at their own game. And they didn't like it, went after him, shut his business down and passed protectionist laws so they wouldn't have to face competition. That's who these people are. (laughs) Okay. And also, you know, if you want to learn more about these ideas, this is book.freekeen.com. There's some audio books here, Healing Our World, Dr. Mary Ruart. She's alive. She's on Twitter. You can find her. She was in the pharmaceutical industry before all the, the patents and so forth. There's Complete Liberty. This is Wes Bertrand. He did this in 2007. Excellent podcast. If you like my show, you'll probably like this style and you can download it right there. Uh, the market for Liberty. That's a 1970s book by the Tenahels. Uh, excellent breakdown. This one's kind of healing our worlds more from a liberal perspective. The other two are more conservative. Uh, the market for Liberty is more of a conservative type of book. Uh, and the complete Liberty is very practical, simple to understand. Uh, he does this over several podcasts. They're all, all three great for those of you that want to look. So, Freekeen, K-E-E-N-E dot com. Uh, okay. Let's see. I think I want to go back to here, actually. Well, no. Yeah, let's go here. So some interesting things are happening. I tweeted this out that uh, some dominoes, bigger dominoes are falling. And that's absolutely happening here. I saw this video from today. You can see a bunch of people storming a bank building in China. They're throwing things. There's people over here that like maybe they were doing some kind of event. These folks right in this area. And they're throwing things at the crowd, which is the customers coming in looking for their money. Right. So what what happened here? Well, let me show you. Uh, This is from Radio Geneva on Twitter. Citizens stormed the Bank of China in Zhengzhou over bank account freezes. Banks froze millions of dollars in deposits last April, simply explaining to savers that, oh, we need to upgrade our internal systems. Three, four months later, customers have not received any kind of communication. (laughs) They, They folded. How much Evergrande paper do you suppose they had? This is going to start cascading fast, people. These are the early warning signs of the global collapse of the global financial system. Real estate markets around the world, the Chinese GDP is a fabrication built on a cloud of lies. 
They do so many of these ghost cities as these second investments to squirrel this money away in. Meanwhile, those buildings are falling apart. We've covered that like two plus years ago with Sea Milk and, and them riding around and showing us up close the facades falling off the buildings. Things don't work. They're empty. There's like 10 people living in there. <laughs> They're just speculation vehicles to park the money and and generate and be able to report this phony economic activity. And now, guess what? The chickens are starting to come home to roost. Okay? So. And you can begin when you're ready. Hello. Good. At the same time, the whole narrative around these COVID vaccines is absolutely falling apart. It is coming out into the open. Uh, I know I've said I think we'll see it more, and I'm just amazed that we're still here with so many normies not aware of what's going on. But the cracks are showing in the dam at this point, and this was one of them that caught my attention. Good morning. Good morning. Um, my son played hockey. His name is Sean Hartman since he was eight years old, and he took a year off for covid and he got extremely bored sitting in his bedroom. He decided to go back to hockey this year. And to do that, he had to have a vaccination to play hockey. He got his first shot of Pfizer on August 25th, went to the hospital on August 29th with a bad reaction. He got sent home with only a prescription for Advil. He had a rash all over his neck and face and brown circles around his eyes. They sent him home, and on the morning of September 27th, his mother found him dead on the floor beside his bed. And all he wanted to do was play hockey. So I'm just wondering really how safe this is and why no deaths are being reported. You're talking about numbers and ICUs, but nobody ever talks about deaths. And it is happening more than anyone knows. And it's just being denied and silenced. And I have a Twitter page called Answers for Sean, which has 7,500 followers. Who are they went ahead and deleted that for him. All wondering. There is another one, though. Uh, Sean answers something like that. The same thing as me. What happened to my son? He had an autopsy done in Toronto. That came back, cause of death unascertained, which only 2% of deaths have that conclusion. The only thing they found was a slightly enlarged heart. So I questioned the coroner, well, is that not caused from the vaccine causing myocarditis? They're saying there was no myocarditis. I sent his autopsy report to a second well-known pathologist in Canada who wants to remain anonymous for fear of losing his job. He told me the vaccine did kill my son. I don't know who I can believe anymore. I have to go the rest of my life either thinking there's no cause of death. Yeah, that's the gaslighting, the vaccine injured, and the families of the people killed by these vaccines are facing a system that stonewalls them. Because all these doctors are afraid to stand up. Because they are captured by this system. They've been loaded with medical debt. 
They've monopolized the practice of medicine, just like they've monopolized protection services. They've done it through this uh, technocratic fascism, this corporatist technocratic fascism where they have corporations out there implementing their policies without having to actually socialize or nationalize these companies. Works much better that way. They just bribe them or threaten them. And that's how we end up at genocide, holocaust, and mass murder. Okay. Uh, Just one correction here. Uh, Somebody in chat pointed out, thank you very much, that... uh, the Chinese scene in the the people in the white were peacefully protesting. The the guys in the white were cops that came in to remove the protesters and beat them. So it looks like, I think what he's saying is that <clears throat> they brought in some instigators, some police to come in and fight them. All right. Speaking of hiding the data, this is from the Ethical Skeptic. CDC purposefully releases an update with cancer and 15 to 54-year-old deaths pulled out. And people are suddenly saying that everything's peachy now based on the flawed data. Look at this. There's the chart. You can, well, let me go here. There you go. Uh, You can see there. It just falls off a cliff, right? Drops way back down. So, oh, it's at an all-time low. And those are the deaths. And here's the non-COVID deaths. And those have dropped down. Well, no, because they've pulled the numbers. When you go and actually look it up, this is what you'll find. That they didn't include those numbers, sorry, in the, uh, in the data here. Missing six-week duration, 31 weeks uh, period, or 217 days, heavily cancer death redacted. They are literally fabricating numbers. They're pulling numbers out to make it look like to hide the problem that they know that they've created. There's no hiding this. How else have they responded? Well, here is Dr. Akhan Saeed who we've, uh, we covered his um, HIV insert and, and that whole thing and the read-through risk. He's a really brilliant guy. New South Wales is the most populated state in Australia, comprising some 8 million inhabitants, about a third of the population. It's now world famous for its vaccine mandates that were imposed by Brad Hazard, uh, their health minister, who does not have a medical degree yet prescribed arguably illegally via mandate a provisionally approved restricted use genomic therapy on the population. So how did that go? Well, we're about to see. Well, roll on a few months and pretty much the whole adult population of NSW is vaccinated. The official stats are that as of today, according to their own data, 95% of NSW people over uh, age 15 have received two doses of the COVID vaccine mostly mRNA therapies. So one would like to think that because NSW Health persists in making the claim that COVID-19 vaccines are very effective in preventing people from the severe impacts of infection with the virus, 
which was updated from the original, quote, the COVID-19 vaccines available in in Australia are very effective with evidence showing that people who are fully vaccinated are 70 to 95% less likely to get sick with COVID-19 compared with those who are not vaccinated. So you see how they've watered down their claims. Well, there's just one problem. The hospitalization data are confounded by diagnostic bias, the same bias that was seen in the UK HSA data, health security agency data, uh, that, which preceded the NSW health data by a few months because Australia was late to the party. The bias means that when somebody arrives in the hospital with any condition who is unvaccinated, they're more likely to be tested for COVID-19 than if they were uh, vaccinated, right? Because, well, I mean, if you've got the vaccine, you can't get the virus. So it's clearly not the virus. So we don't need to test you for COVID-19 because you're vaccinated. See how that would skew the data? This arose for, out of a false belief that later ditched that the vaccine prevented infection. So obviously the higher quality, clean patients didn't need testing, right? Just the unwashed masses. There was another bias in that data, which also related to the fraudulent miscategorization of recently vaccinated people as partially vaccinated or unvaccinated for weeks after their vaccine. And we've covered that a lot many times over the years talking about how that skews the the figures. Elgato Mallow did that wonderful article, and he's referencing a different one here. Um, For weeks after their vaccine, so the hospitalization figures for this category took a while to catch up. But catch up, they did. In fact, it got so bad that by November, the vaccine surveillance reports had to push the figures by vaccination status all the way to the end of the report, just like the UK HSA did. And despite it being a relatively quiet time for COVID-19 infections, the proportion of cases who had received any vaccination had jumped to 63% of total cases. Um, So that's what we're seeing. He's talking about November right here. And there's the chart you can see. Oh, so he's got, these are weekly figures. We'll we'll cover it. Uh, So now comes the biggest habit the biggest bait and switch in COVID-19 reporting data ever. Check these tables from the 18th of December to the the 4th of January. This is of this year or 2021-2022. Bear in mind that this isn't that this is the time that cases really started ramping up in NSW just as the booster rollout was gaining steam. Of course that's obviously another coincidence right? So what do you have here? This table, December 18th, this is weekly data. And you can see you've got 8,400 fully vaccinated. Um, These are cases in the partially vaccinated. You've got another 102, so about 8,500. In the unvaccinated group, 612. And then you have this under investigation, this pool where, well, we just can't determine vaccination status. They have 15% of the, the numbers, 1,887 undetermined under investigation cases, right? But then what happens? We go to the 25th of December and well, now we're at 25,000, 25,500 that were vaccinated that were catching COVID. You've got 20, 150 in the unvaccinated group, and then they have 4,700, 13% of the data in the uh, under investigation category. But wait a minute, 
what happened to those under investigation cases? Do you see that? It was up here, 1800, back up there in that row. Sorry, you guys can't see that very well. Yeesh. Yeah, I can't make it much bigger. Um, that's a little better. It was 1800 up here. Then it drops. So what did they do? They took and have been shifting these unvaccinated uh, cases or, or these, sorry, undetermined cases around. So here's another one where they're January 1st and same kind of thing. The numbers continue kind of shifting around. Now we're up 72,000. But look back here at what happened to these under investigation. If you look carefully, you will see that the report in the 25th of December, the under investigation cases were shifted to no effective dose group. And this occurred after our friendly mice army on Twitter had pointed out that the 18th, the unvaccinated were now accounting for only 6.7% of the total known status cases. At the same time, the case rate in the fully vaccinated had exploded. The government's bait and switch turned to protecting you from going to the ICU. The more eagle-eyed of you will note that the 7th of January report was then quickly corrected by shifting the unknown cases back where they belonged. Do you see that right here? So under investigation, going back to that December 18th, we started with uh, no dose was 612 and 1800 under investigation. We finish that December 18th record. No dose is now 659. So it went up by about 50 and the under investigation is 17, 1800. Okay. But if you go up to the month before the week before on December 25th, when they needed a little boost, look what we have here. Under investigation, 650, no doses, 1,800. So they literally took a bunch of cases, moved them over into the unvaccinated group, and then moved them back all except for, uh, I think it was like, yeah, so we were at, we were at 1,887, now we're at 1,789. So it looks like about nine cases that they were able to work through and determine status on. So what happened there? Somebody in the organization said, well, you know what, we need to, if we don't do something about this, these anti-vaxxers, they're going to go crazy with this and misrepresent it. So let's go ahead and apply a factor of uh, about 63%. I don't know what it is, but let's go ahead and apply that because I think that's what this pool is going to be determined based on some, some case study sampling that we did. Wink, wink. And then... Once that emergency's over, they moved it back. They are literally lying to your face. They know what they've done. They're covering up the deaths. They're covering up the hospitalizations, the ICU. These things are falling flat on their face, and they are trying to hide it. In Australia, in the UK, in the United States, all of them because they are guilty of mass murder. If you look carefully, you will see that in the report up to the 25th, okay, 6.7, the government's bait and switch turned to protecting you from going into the ICU. Um, so they corrected and shifted those back. Let me see. By the, 
by which time the switch away from stopping infection to reducing the chance of severe COVID was complete. Good play, New South Wales Health. So, what? sorry, I, I kind of skipped that paragraph because we had already read it, but essentially what, what he's pointing out here is that they moved, they fixed the numbers to support the narrative and then they were able to change the narrative, but they didn't want to get out in front and say, oh, this data is surprising. We're going to have to back off of our claim. They changed the claim. They rigged the numbers, lied to everybody, changed the claim, and then fixed the numbers historically back. <laughs> With some Orwellian shit, folks. <sighs> but they didn't stop there. Now we come to the best bit. You will see that they had been caught out and therefore needed to change the format of the reports, which has happened a few times, presumably to stop those pesky marine Twitterers from pointing out that the vaccine wasn't doing what they said it would. In fact, by the 12th of February, it becomes so obvious that most of the cases, 80% of the known ICU admissions was 86% and deaths were 77% that the were in the vaccinated and the biases and data manipulations weren't appeasing the masses. Like they, they can't hide this and bury it anymore. This is why they're just stopping reporting. They're pulling the numbers. Why? Because they have a monopoly on those numbers. And they know what the consequences of telling the truth are going to be for them. They'd rather just sit back and watch you suffer and die then tell you the truth of what they've done to you, those of you that took this shot. Some of you, not everybody's going to suffer and die. I think there's a really good chance that these pharmaceutical cartels couldn't meet the production schedule that they promised. And rather than not ring that cash register, because we know how much they love the money, they just ship sailing for some of those initial doses. I think now they're going to be probably far worse. So that's the message. I think the primary message that we can send to people is don't take any more. Please don't take any more. Toxicity is directly dependent to dose. The more you take, the worse, sicker you get. And of course, we we also need the, uh, let me see. So that's when the new format was required in a nut. Oh crap. <laughs> okay. There we go. So a quick switch to a new format was required and another version of an old trick combining the unknown to and no dose was put in place. Oh, and of course we now also need the UK HSA trick of qualifying the data with a long monologue of why it isn't quite as bad as it looks. Right? So <clears throat> here's their note. COVID-19 vaccines are very safe and effective in preventing people from the severe impacts of infection with the virus. I know it's embarrassing, but it gets better. Someone eventually realized that combining the no-dose and unknown groups was a fix and demanded by FOIA, by Freedom of Information request, that the NSW Health provide the data by the actual number of doses received. And this is where the cover-up could be cover-up no more could be covered up no more. This is what happened. And this is Jicky right here. So we saw this chart and I didn't know where it came from, but now we're learning here 
this is the what they did. They took this unknown 124 right here. And let me blow this up a little bit so you guys can see it. But we've got, those are hospitalizations, ICUs, and deaths. Um, and they had combined in the unknown category, respectively, you've got 124 hospitalizations, 10 ICU uh, admissions, and two deaths. They pushed those into the unvaccinated category. And when we actually, somebody actually FOIA'd them to get the raw data, the reality was there were zero deaths, uh, or sorry, zero ICUs and zero hospitalizations and 19 deaths compared to 80 out of 88 or 86 total. So, yeah. This is why they're hiding it. They don't want you to see the truth. So the hospital hospitalizations and ICU admissions in the unvaccinated dropped to zero and stayed there all through June effectively. But wait, there are still a bunch of deaths in the unvaccinated group. How can this be? We can answer this question by looking at the categorized data over time. So I pulled out every week's data from those reports, March to June of this year. The separation of no dose uh, not known into dose not known took place on the 28th of May. All of a sudden, nearly all the deaths that have been categorized in the joint category appeared in the no dose group. You can see it happening here. There's the no dose spiking way up all of a sudden. So we are expected to believe that even though the death rate of every single vaccination category was below 0.25%, all of a sudden, after the 28th of May, the no-dose category had a death of hospitalization, or sorry, death to hospitalization ratio of one. Like every person that gets admitted to the ICU dies. Here's another way to look at this amazingly coincidental data, and you can see this giant orange bar. What is that? That's... Uh, so these are separated by dose. So unknown, no dose, one dose, two dose, and three dose. And previous to May 1st, the average was like less 0.05. And then after, it's way up there and none of the other groups adjust. You don't need error bars or a degree in medical statistics to see that no dose after 28th of, 28th of May is impossible. So what happened? The logical and only explanation is that the death data was manipulated. Either the deaths in the no-dose category are totally fabricated and the last remaining unvaccinated old people are being killed off in nursing homes and not entering hospital, or more likely that the no-dose and unknown numbers have been swapped. There is no other explanation for this incredible result. Unknowns got three deaths and no-dose is 12. So it looks like they even lied in the FOIA request. Either way, it's a misrepresentation of the real data. So I have a question for NSW's health surveillance creators. If this vaccine is so great, why do you need to fix the data? Don't worry, I don't expect an answer. The 8 million people living in New South Wales might, though, given that their taxes and sacrifices have paid your wages, I think they deserve one. And don't forget, there's the excess deaths, right, uh, in Australia. It's worth noting that not only did the mandatory medical interventions fail to stop the spread of the virus, they resulted in the largest spike in overall mentality 
mortality in Australia's peacetime history, well done public health. And that's the red right there. Those are all excess deaths over even the higher range expected. So great update there from uh, Archimedic's blog, Dr. Saeed. And there's also a video that he posted to his uh, Telegram group. This is what they're saying during that time. I want you to watch. The Prime Minister Premier on Can you just provide some clarity there? She was not vaccinated or was she? There's some, some people some people close to her suggesting she actually had, had at least one dose of vaccine. Look, I'll have to check that. I, I was unaware that she was vaccinated. The advice I had was that she... Um, did not have any underlying health issues, but I will confirm that. Um So that was one of their vaccine champions who died shortly after, well, suspected, died shortly after they got the vaccine. And she was going to go chase that one down, and guess what? She never got back with us on that one. They never answered that question whether or not she was vaccinated. Okay, what else is happening? Well, this. It's a great pleasure to see all of you here um, because it is a very serious issue, what we're about to discuss, and we called it post-back flight risks. And um, as you may have read in the, in the media these past couple of days or the weeks before, there is chaos pretty much on every major airport or all airports throughout Europe. Um, there is, you know, piles and piles of suitcases. The passengers are standing in line for hours and hours, no end at check-in. And uh, of course, you all heard about thousands and thousands of canceled flights. The official narrative, what might be the reason for this is, well, because of the lockdown, we had to lay off so many people and we cannot just hire them back. That is the official narrative. Um, of course, there could be other, other reasons for this, but um, someone, oh, I'm just, I heard that there is translation on the, on the web stream. Well, too bad I started in English, now I will finish in English. <laughs> So anyway, um, there could be other reasons uh, uh, for these problems, but these reasons um, are not, they're not eager to uh, even mention them, because if they did, it might turn out that their entire uh, lie, the, the building of, of their lies may just tumble down and will break into shatters. Um, and they did went to great length to erect this uh, building of lies, um, manipulation, gaslighting. You had uh, uh, people, uh, people were being repressed. They have been forced, uh, basically been told they will stand to lose their jobs if they, if they don't go along with whatever the government uh, asked them to do. Um, if you look at these, this chaos, what we are looking at right now, um, it goes way beyond the annoyance of you know, missing your suitcase or having to stand in a line, because what we are actually talking about is it could 
uh, cost a lot of people uh, their lives because yeah well it kind of already is right and what are we seeing at the airports they don't have the help they don't have the crews to crew the planes they don't have the pilots to fly the planes they can't get the pilots in the right place because the pilots are all constantly getting sick and unable to fly most of these pilots aren't going to pass their physicals so we're about to lose a bunch of them they're running the risk of crashing we're seeing that in the single engine plight uh planes i don't know if you guys noticed it but like while during that segment when i was trying to i had some great jokes for that sugar baby segment that i totally blew but while I was reading that and the other part about the, the prions, I was experiencing like brain fog and just forgetting. That's why I blew that segment. It was so weird to sort of like experience that in the middle of it. That's what was happening with me. It was, uh, it's a strange sensation. And I think I was kind of given that experience to, to have a concept of what it's like for these folks. It's not easy. I, I mean, like you can't remember what you want to say or where you, what point you're going to make with things, stuff like that. So anyway, it's it, look again, this spike, it's dependent. The damage is directly correlatable with exposure. If you get the shot, you get off the chart levels of exposure. If you're around the vaccinated, you're getting exposure. If you're having sex with the vaccinated, you're definitely getting exposure. And the more exposure you get, the more damage is done. That's the reality that we're in for the time being until we can really figure out how to treat this thing. And there is another therapy that I came across. We're going to look at an interview with Dr. Cole. Between him and Dr. Mercola, excellent. Uh, They're talking about methyl blue and uh, doing a few other things that they both do. I thought it was excellent. So, okay. Sorry, took us off on a tangent. Let's get back to her. So she's describing this breakdown where the bags are taking forever. They're piling up. Why? Well, the ground crew was vaccinated too, and they're sick. We're talking actually about um, a safe flight, which may no longer be the case. Because what happened was that um, a lot of pilots that um, did not want to get vaccinated had been laid off. Um, and the ones that did get vaccinated because they had families to feed, a mortgage to pay, all of these things to take care of, may now no longer be fit to fly. And that is a problem And uh, to the globalist elites. And not only are they not fit to fly, but they're flying anyway because they have no choice. Because if they bring it up, they're going to get pulled. They know it. So they're just rolling the dice with the lives of passengers that two of them don't have an incident at the same time. Meanwhile, private plane, corporate jets, they're wanting unvaccinated pilots to fly them around. The wealthy, the elite, yeah. It must be a shocker. Can you imagine? First, people are being forced to get a vaccination to only then find out that it might actually be the dumbest thing uh, they ever did. Um, but I don't want to want to say too much about this because we have people here today that know far better than me what actually went on. And um, it is actually a great honor 
and I would like you to join me into welcoming, uh, first of all, we have Madame Prota. She is attorney at law from France. Then we have okay. uh, Mr. Philip Cruz. Oh, yeah, there was one more little bit at the end here that I wanted to play for you guys. Before I now entrust you into the very capable hands of our experts tonight, I would like to introduce to you my colleague, uh, Virginie Geron, a French deputy. Um, she is also very brave, and we have been fighting right alongside uh, of each other uh, this COVID madness in this house and everywhere else. And uh, I would like to give her the floor. So she has a few things to say to you too. No. Thank you. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> she said something brilliant, but maybe it was, yeah, whatever. It's not worth it. Okay. Uh, let's go. I want to point, this is something that Brooke Jackson brought to my attention. They're playing word games, trying to escape accountability. Okay. So I found an example of this. This is from Beyond the Data on Substack. And uh, it's the first mention of the word prototype didn't come up until September 21st of prototype 2021. Prototype vaccine, prototype primary series vaccine, prototype vaccine, the authorized prototype booster, the prototype booster, prototype. And they didn't start using that prototype language until after September 21st, 2020 meeting where they considered approval for Pfizer's comorbidity. So somebody's gotten legal advice and now they're all using this prototype term because they are assessing their liability for what they've done and they are trying to rewrite history. Well, I mean, we called this a prototype vaccine. It's clearly a prototype vaccine, which entails this body of our words on paper that says it's a okay what we did. That's what they're maneuvering to do. Vaccine prototype boosters, prototype booster, the prototype, prototype, the prototype, prototype. Never called it that before that meeting. The authorization of the prototype booster, the third dose of the prototype vaccine, the booster dose of the. We're two years in. They're calling this prototype booster all of a sudden. Prototype booster, our prototype booster, the authorized prototype, the prototype vaccine. The prototype vaccine, monovalent prototype, the prototype vaccine. The current prototype vaccine, BNT162V2. People are criminals. They know what they're doing. Prototype vaccine, the prototype, BNT162V2, the prototype. Prototype vaccine, the prototype vaccine. And there's another two and a half minutes of the prototype vaccine. The prototype, prototype (laughs) vaccines, prototype strain. Isn't it amazing how all of a sudden they just start using the prototype word when they hadn't used it previously? All these different people. Amazing. Okay. This is from Jessica Rose. I want to read you one of her articles that she's published to Substack. And I also want to point out that this, in my view, What she's doing is the future of medicine. This is the future of peer review. Um, She's set up, now if you look, I think if we scroll down to the bottom here, it'll say she's got thousands of paid subscribers to her Substack. They're basically paying her to 
go and research this stuff and dig dig into these studies and so forth and and determine what's happening here and i think and she's got teams of you know she's sort of collaborating with walter chestnut and what he's doing and his research and sort of uh leapfrogging off of that to to go into some new areas and they're all kind of working to try and figure out what do we do what is this thing how do we stop it can we break it down what can we do and you know i think this is the kind of science that's going to replace the peer-reviewed journals which have shown to be completely compromised and a joke and i think science is going to in the future take place out in the open like this in the public domain where everybody's looking at the data where all points and opinions can be considered where nothing's swept under the rug things are either explained or they're not and there is no consensus this is the future this is the kind of thing one of the components anyway it's going to replace the corrupt and compromised peer review process and desperately needs to. So pathologist Dr. Ryan Cole is holding up a sample. Now, I remember when his video, that video I posted that got the 650,000 views, when that first came out, people were calling him a dermatologist. You remember that? The haters? <laughs> because he looked at skin biopsies or something was all they thought that he did and they had no idea. No, he's got a lab, 12 states, 80 employees. Business has been cut in half, but you know, he's got a serious little organization operation going on over there. The strange proteinase structures extracted from <clears throat> the embalming autopsies. So you can see there's one white there on the, the far left. And then this one's more of a tan color. This is the white stretchy fibery stuff. And he's got some pictures of it here that are a little bit bigger and you can see it's kind of loose. There's loops and strands and things. This, this here looks more like pasta noodles or something. This looks like strips of leather shoelace. <clears throat> if you remember those on the old hiking boots, like Timberland, I think I used to have a pair with boots like that. That's what's being found inside the veins of the vaccinated that are deceased. <clears throat> okay. And a blood vessel can change its inner diameter via vasc vascular constriction. The diameter would be somewhere between 8 micrometers and 25 millimeters. So very, very small to, mm, I don't know, maybe that big. Uh, depending on what what type you pick and if it's vasoconstricted. Now, this is, sorry, showed that picture, but this is a, looks, you're going to see some blood jelly looking. It's a blood clot. Okay. Uh, clots normally show up in veins and not so much in arteries. When a vein is blocked from a clot, this is called a venous thrombus, thrombosis. And when it's an artery blocked by a clot, this is called an arterial th thrombosis. So glad she did that because... I don't, didn't know those, that distinction, but that's kind of how medical terminology works, right? You have these words that represent things and then the, the clinical terms, and then they're moved around and used in all sorts of different manners as much as possible, right? 
I would say these people died suddenly from arterial embolisms caused by these fibrous structures. The photo shows that a normal blood clot, you can see here, it's, it's coming in from a bigger artery and split branching off. And it looks like there's jelly coming out of the whole thing, right? These strange white fibrous proteinous structures are not blood clots because they don't look at all like that. You know, we're seeing straps of leather and stringy, stretchy things, not grape jelly or strawberry jelly. Amyloidosis, amyloid or beta amyloid plaque formation is known to be associated with the brain and neurons. But what if these spike related amyloidogenic proteins uh, didn't have a neural preference? Amyloidogenic meanings they create amyloid deposits. Um, so that's what they're saying. The spikes coming along, creating these deposits. And uh, this is what severe arthiosclerosis looks like. Uh, by the way, not the same as our strange loose strands. So there's another medical image. So again, it's not, not that. It's something new. It's something different. I think we are dealing with a devilishly inspired, handcrafted, modified mRNA whose protein byproducts that appear to be multidimensional follow either translation or digestion for MHC presentation or amyloid or amyloidogenic, meaning uh, they create these amyloid deposits and the MHC presentation, that's a immune system feature. It's another component of the immune system that's being disabled. Okay. The location of the plaque formation pro protonation would depend on many factors. So she's talking about, did you get the shot in the muscle or did you, did the injector hit a blood vein and then it was distributed all over your body? The biodistribution of the LMPs, how, how much is getting to where? Efficiency of delivery of the modified RNA payload, integrity of the modified RNA template. Is it, uh, has it been properly handled and kept at temperature or did the RNA degrade rate and efficacy of the translation? How well does it do in your body? In other words, immune response to the presence of foreign proteins. Is it getting killed off and uh, carted away? Immune state of the individual prior, just to name a few. I think that it's possible that myocarditis cases are being reported due to cardiac amyloidosis the primary symptoms of cardiac amyloidosis are shortness of breath, fatigue, swelling in the legs, heart palpitations, lightheadedness, pretty much the same as myocarditis, breathing difficulties, chest pain, fatigue, swelling in the legs, rapid heartbeat, uh, lightheadedness, and flu-like symptoms. They're pretty identical. So what she's saying there is that it's not even amyloidosis, amyloidosis, whatever it is, uh, that's causing these heart attacks. She thinks that it's this stuff filling up the veins, which is what I've been saying for a while, that these people have this stuff collecting in their veins and they're growing longer and longer, which is if you think about it in terms of the blood flow, like a water, water hose, you're putting your finger on the water hose with these blood clots. And the, the, the bigger the clot, the higher the pressure and the longer the thing gets, the, the, the more it grows, the more it's going to constrict the artery, which when the blood hits it, it's going to expand the artery and push around it as long as it can until it gets too thick, which is going to con constantly increase the pressure and make the heart pump harder, right? At the same time as it gets longer, 
you're getting less and less blood that's be able, being able to be pushed down those veins and arteries and capillaries and so forth. So you end up getting less and less blood flow to your organs, which is the tiredness, shortness of breath, and so forth. So what she's saying is it's this that is starting, that a lot of these heart attacks are being miscategorized as, that it's these things forming in the, in the blood, uh, in the vasculature, and causing these people to suddenly <clears throat> drop dead, okay? So, unacceptable, Jessica, if you want to, <clears throat> if you want to find her. She was, she got this from Ryan Cole, who was, I had mentioned this earlier, was also on uh, with Dr. Mercola. And this is something that Clucky pointed to one of the other mouse army scientists. And he pointed out, he said, go, go watch this. I agree. It was excellent. It's an hour and a half. Um, it's Dr. McCullough and um, Ryan Cole. And at the end of this discussion, they're talking about what they're both doing to kind of protect themselves from their spike exposure. And I want you to hear this because this is a new protocol. So I like trying to present you guys with as many options as I can find that work. And I, I don't know anybody that knows this stuff seemingly as well as Ryan Cole that's speaking out and, and breaking this down for us. So I think his protocol that he does for himself is probably pretty good, especially if you're in the vaccine injured camp, right? This might be a protocol that you would want to follow. And, and Mercola this is what really struck me. They're both kind of doing the same thing. And this is something I haven't heard of until now. And it has to do with this methyl blue. So I want you to um, listen to that, but also know if you're going to do a protocol like FLCCC's or uh, Dimitri's niacin based one, or this methyl blue, I would say kind of really stick to the protocol and don't try and mix because you can create some, interactions that might be self-defeating okay so try somebody's protocol if it works for you keep doing it if it's not working maybe try a different one and you're going to have to be able to sort of solve these problems you know Dimitri like took his protocol offline now it's on the internet archive here and his web guy was pretty ticked off that I posted this to Twitter um, because He's doing this $10 a month uh, sign up and I'll help you. I'll give you my protocol and whatnot. And I'm like, well, what about the people who are sacked with medical bills and are trying to make ends meet and everything else? I, I don't think it's fair to restrict that from them. But I also have no problem with him charging 10 bucks to help people understand this because it is kind of complicated. And there was a vaccine injured lady that was asking me about it. And so this was one of several that I gave her options that I gave her. And she's like, well, this is really complicated because it kind of is right. It's not a, not a simple, take these five things, but do these things in these steps. And she wanted me to answer it. Well, that's what Dimitri's for or go and uh, find somebody, build your own network, find somebody else that can help you understand this in your local network that you know and create some community right you might find somebody else that's vaccine injured that would benefit from a protocol like this and y'all try and follow it and understand it together 
so that you have some help. That's the world that we're going into. That's what you need to start, the mindset that you need to have. How can I solve my own problems? Because the people who are depending on the government to come in and solve all their problems are these folks, right? Didn't I tell you a few months back, have some cash? Do you think these are the people who did that? No. No, they're not. Okay, so let's listen to a little bit of this. Yeah, that's that's a good good point. And there's several strategies I could recommend for that. One would be the nebulized peroxide, but also even increasing the dose of methylene blue if that wasn't the fact. Yes. You can go to, to maybe 60, 80, 100 milligrams, depending on your body weight. I speak from personal experience. I had a sinus surgery three and a half years ago, straight into septum. I went ahead and broke my nose after it accidentally. But, um, <laughs> but after my sinus surgery, I got reactivated Epstein-Barr because it'll hang out in your lymphoid tissue and it was in my adenoid. So I battled it personally on and off. So when, when I talk to these vaccine injured patients, like, look, I understand to a certain degree because I wax and wane in terms of, you know, MECFS personally from reactivated mono. So, and I do all those things, you know, the methylene blue, I'll do the hyperbaric and I'll have some very good weeks. And then there are weeks I can't work the farm and I can barely lift wow. my arms the microscope. So I understand what people are going through from an empathetic personal point of view. But, but that's one I would implore doctors to look at. Look for reactivated mono because we've seen a lot of it. We know the shots and the spike protein will block toll-like receptors and allow mono to reawaken. Okay, so uh, two more questions. One is your views on the impact of this spike protein jab on uh, <laughs> the bastardized spike protein jab. Uh, on fertility and oh. it, its potential really, I mean, some, you could be viewed in some circumstances as almost like an existential threat to the species, because if you knock out fertility, it's the fertility rates, oh, I was going to look it up before anyone, but, but it's radically decreased it, before the jabs. Correct. And then you add the jabs on top of it. It's a big problem. Yeah, we have all these estrogen mimics in our society already through plastics and benzone. Fantastic interview. Mercola actually calls it a bioweapon, which I was like, whoa, people are waking up. Okay. People are figuring out what's happening, what's been done to them. And change is in the air, folks. Okay. Um, Sri Lanka. So there's been a lot going on over there uh this is where politicians have been chased down in the street and beaten uh the prime the government officials house have been set on fire they stormed the presidential palace and then went for the central bank finally and stormed the central bank look at what's happening lending facility rate is at 15.5 percent that's their interest rate it's the highest in 21 years as inflation touched a record 54.6% year-on-year in June, while food inflation accelerated to 80%. Think about the impact that that would have on your life. Your pay just got cut in half in the last year. That's, That's what these people are dealing with. That's why they're out there storming these uh, government palaces and burning things down and beating them up because they can't eat 
They can't live. They can't survive with what's happened. And what is happening, the dollar is failing. It's pushing all of this inflation out to these guys, and eventually it's going to come back to us. So this is a perfect example of the kind of world you need to be prepared to go into because that's where we're heading, 100%. All right, let me see here. What else? I loved this sign right here. Uh, I think this is Tennessee. I don't don't recall exactly. Protect your baby. Say no to the bioweapon. Safe and effective. This is a sign on the side of a, a freeway. Safe and effective is a lie. Stop silencing the victims to hide the truth. 100% exactly what's going on. And again, people are starting to wake up. Now, let me see if there was one more here. Now, we'll come back to that. Okay. I want to talk about this right here and sort of fill you guys in on why we're seeing all of these different ridiculous ways of uh, things are causing heart attack, physical activity, uh, solar storms, uh, does skipping breakfast increase your risk? Does heart attacks, pandemic stress, and poor diet? Is it uh, women fit and healthy? What, you know, they just come up with all of these retarded ass excuses for why people are having heart attacks. How did this get, how, you know, like what's driving this? And the answer is very simple. These guys have an editor. The editor has come in to them and said, you know, there's a lot of heart attacks happening out there that we're here and we're seeing a slight increase. I would like you reporters to find me, give me 2000 words on something that's causing heart attacks. Find something unusual, interesting for us to share the story. And that's what we're getting. These are reporters being fed a narrative through their editors. Where does the editor get it? From the executives. Where do the executives get it? From their pharmaceutical masters who pay them tens of millions of dollars a year for advertising. It's not really advertising. It's for propagandizing you and manipulating you. This is why we saw the signs on the side of buses that kids were, it's normal for kids to have heart attacks after they started injecting kids with this bioweapon. So that's why we're seeing all of these. Understand that this system is manipulated in the same way. There doesn't have to be some grand conspiracy behind it. I mean, there is to some degree, but like not all these people are in on it. They've just been told by their editor, give me 2000 words on something causing heart attacks. So they're going out and digging up all this ridiculous shit. And that's where it's coming from. Okay. Meanwhile, uh, here's a, six-year-old that died in Portugal following a heart attack. It's vaccinated. Sad. So sad. And of course, here's some Twitter bots. We've got a, got a new narrative here. There's nine different accounts that have been cut and uh, pasted together showing that they're all saying exactly the same thing. Uh, all but one of them has bold text, which means they're subscribers, I think. And it's saying, they all say the same text. It's, I just left the ER. 
We are officially back to getting crushed by COVID-19. That's the bolden part. Uh, Sigma variant is running rampant and is much more transmissible than the original virus. 99% of our ICU admits did not receive a vaccine. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. I bet that's the case, isn't it? Given all the data we just looked at. Of course, I'm sure Twitter's already taken care of all these. You bet. They're not on a white list, are they? Tell us a little bit about the study that just came out of Sweden that is just so alarming. The news is buzzing out of uh, Lund University, Malmo, Sweden. Marcus Alden is the first author. The first demonstration in a human hepatic or liver cell line that the Pfizer vaccine, in fact, reverse transcribes and installs DNA into the human genome. Wow. And so in simple terms, what does that mean, Dr. Bartlett? <laughs> Thank you for making it simple. So basically. This is what I've been talking about for a long time. We had the studies that showed it. Now it's been confirmed again that this mRNA can get recorded back into your genome, into your DNA, so that when your cells divide, they're pre-programmed to produce this spike. And that could even be a recessive trait that doesn't express in your kids. But when your kids go to have kids with someone, they combine DNA, it gets expressed, starts producing spike, kills your baby. I did a uh, interview uh, on another show on another network and uh, man, made me really appreciate how much work I do for this show because they had a technical director setting up the stream and doing all the edits and cuts and everything. And then they had uh, a couple executive producers that lined me up. I was a pain in the ass guest this time, unfortunately. Um, and uh, then the anchor who was just focusing on, and I'm sitting there watching this all happen around me. And I'm like, wow, I do a lot of stuff. <laughs> okay. Of course they're doing that every day. Big difference between that and my once a week deal here. But um this is Dr. Peter McCullough. He's explaining this new study that's come out that shows 100% affecting fertility, folks. Uh, there's an enzyme that can take that messenger RNA uh, um, vaccine information and put it into the DNA of the person, into their DNA. Mm. And we were told that could not happen. So this is in a lab, but it's showing really? that the D, it, you remember the vaccine is messenger RNA. Yeah. And we were told that that messenger RNA could not go into your DNA, but this is showing that in, in a lab it can. And so what it happens did. when yeah. it does, Dr. Gold? Well, can I, can I answer slightly different than yeah. your question? Yeah. So the, one of the fun things about the last couple of years being a doctor and lawyer is this is a very interesting opportunity. And I think we're going to be bringing another lawsuit <laughs> because there's actually federal law that you cannot discriminate against people for genetic discrimi genetic discrimination. I forgot the acronym. I think it's Gina, G-I-N-A. Gina. Gina, right? So this now opens the door to saying that if you're not allowing somebody in who chose not to get the shot, that you're actually engaging in genetic discrimination. So I think there's oh, this wow. Sweden mm. study, I think, opens the door to a new type of lawsuit. If you're pregnant and you have this done, can that then affect your baby? Yes. Yeah, this is the alarming finding. The CDC says on its website very explicitly, this will not change your DNA. The paper that came out of Sweden. Now, there'll so be many more to confirm that. it. And the steps are to A, confirm it, to confirm that the entire code is installed, and then to actually confirm that it's expressed, meaning that the spike protein now is continuously expressed from human cells. But because the lipid nanoparticles are taken up everywhere, 
That means somatic cells in your organs, but also your uh, gametocytes, actually the cells that actually are the sperm and the egg, if wow. they are carrying it, that indeed means that in fact, it could be passed yeah. to the daughter cells. And, so and, that could uh, be um, open. And one of the things that Dr. Cole and Dr. Mercola talked about in their hour and a half podcast was the fatty tissue surrounding the eggs, the reproductive system. That's where that LMP loves to collect. So it's going to transport it there uh, more likely than other places. And there's also that tissue, uh, that fatty tissue around the heart. That's what's causing where that stuff's going and creating that inf uh, inflammation. Okay. Up for birth defects and yes. And all okay. So yeah, not, uh, not painting a really great picture here. Um, let me go back to here and I want you to see, this is, I think a, um, a necessary little review. This is James McDaniel on Twitter. Um, he put together a thread of the treatment that we were facing people who are unvaccinated in 2020 saying, wait until you see how unvaccinated people still wearing a mask in good faith, according to the CDC guidelines are ostracized as dangerous pariahs in 2021. Um, here's a, and he's just done a collection of news articles uh, from the last, last year. Uh, unvaccinated students numbered with Sharpie marker at New Hampshire prom. Here's the Delta variant coming to get the unvaxxed. That was the the wet dream that they had, right? And someone's saying this is pretty accurate since odds of being uh, attacked by a shark are one in four million. Here they are. Nope. Don't get the vaccine. You can't go to the supermarket. Don't have the vaccine. You don't show it. Can't go to the ball game. Don't have the vaccine. Can't go to work. We'll just coerce you, force you to take it. You don't have the vaccine. Can't come here. No shirt, no shoes, no service. That's where I think we should be right now because we continue to waste our breath on people who are just not going to change their, you know, the circular logic. They just keep going back and saying, well, it's my freedom. It's whatever. Dying I'm now. Don't get the vaccine. Big shot. At this point, anyone refusing the vaccine is a terrorist. They are killing people. This is the 20%. Okay. This is what these people are still, a lot of them are still thinking and feeling. Okay. This is why they are so dangerous. Unvaccinated. And of course, Remember what he's saying here, all this, well, let's take away their ability to work. Let's take away their ability to shop. Let's take away their ability to do this. How's that different than the whole argument that Lysander made with voting and um, taxation? They're doing the same thing. They're just expanding further and further until the, they kill the host. We're the host. These people are parasites. Unvaccinated people need to bear the burden. CDC should roll out a new program, get the shot or get shot. The unvaccinated need to be rounded up and lined up in front of open trenches. Their choice is simple. America had enough of their virus. We need to get back to normal with or without them. That's from Lars McMurty. Unbelievable. Whenever someone says we all die from something, this is Matt Walsh is saying, look, Chances are it's not going to kill you. It's no big deal. He's talking about being able to, to shoot people that are unvaccinated because, you know, you're all going to die sometime. 
I want a federal law stating that if you get sick and are unvaccinated, you aren't allowed in a hospital. You are not allowed to take beds from responsible Americans. Okay. Well, if the vaccines cause the shots, now are you guys excluded from the hospital? Do you have to pay your own way? Because it turns out we were right. My position is we must make the lives of the unvaccinated a total misery and just keep escalating the exclusions until we crush the resistance and break their spirit in order to force compliance so they learn not to resist government mandates. Boy, doesn't that sound a lot like this section that we just read through. I don't remember where it is, but I think you get the idea. And that goes on and on and on. The willful unvaccinated who wind up in hospitals from COVID should not receive priority medical care over other very sick or injured people who are as much in urgent need of medical care. Yeah. All right. Vaccinated stat. This is North Texas Hospital. We'll soon use vaccination status to decide if you're worth an ICU bed. (laughs) Washington Public Schools forces student athletes to wear ankle monitors. Probably for, you know, social distance tracking. Of course, here's this guy's Norm Chomsky, who's supposed to be all about liberty. Well, it's a mixed story. I think uh, we, people who refuse to accept vaccines, I think the right response for them is not to force them to, but rather to insist that they be isolated. If people decide I am willing to be a danger to the community by refusing a vaccine, they should then say, well, I also have the decency to isolate myself. Well, since the vaccinated shed the spike protein and that's the pathogenic element of the virus and that can infect others and cause damage, shouldn't they all be quarantined? Are you quarantining now? I think he is he dead yet. I'm surprised he's still alive. And it just goes on and on and on. Like this threat is still out there. We have to keep talking about this. We we are I, I'm definitely not crossing the finish line as to waking people up and making them aware of what's happening. But I think we're definitely the finish line might be in sight, at least for this important step of bringing the truth out into the open, and then let's deal with it whatever way we can. That's what we need to do. Okay. Uh, One more little thing here. I want to read you. So we talked about Lysander and pointing out the flaws in the Constitution. Well, what do you do about it, right? I want to give you a practical example. This is from CitizenZero.com. What is a parallel economy and it's participating in the society's economy is essential to everyone's livelihood. But what happens when the ire of cancel culture or an increasingly oppressive government sets its crosshairs on a large section of society? A parallel economy is born. It's uh, an economic system that functions outside of the purview of the sanctioned economy. Other names for this are the black market, the shadow market, agorism, agorist, um, the agora or the underground. 
parallel economies not only emerge from the desire to profit from illicit activities, they also spring from necessity when a portion of society is shunned from participating in the mainstream economic system. Considering the current socio-political climate, one in which vaccine passports are being implemented in countries around the world, people are debanked for expressing their uh, heterodoxic ideas, and careers are terminated for refusing to acquiesce to medical fascism. The need and demand for a true parallel economy is becoming ever clearer. Let's uh, take a close closer look at what we should do to build and engage in a new parallel economy. And number one here, be your own bank. This is crypto. The monetary system is quickly becoming weaponized by big banks and governmental alphabet agencies. Talked about what happened with trying to get Starlink and uh, setting up Stripe and pass, jumping through their KYC AML hoops and how there was no way to change the application to get the funds that were donated. They all had to go back. And I just said, F it, I'm done. Uh, including closing their bank accounts without discussion or recourse. We talked to you about the journalist over in Ukraine that's been charged and convicted of uh, spreading, you know, not going along with Germany, that Russia is bad, and instead interviewing people in Russia or people in Ukraine talking about Russia. (laughs) During any other time in history, financial blacklisting and depersoning from the sanctioned economy would have been the kiss of death. But now we have Bitcoin. Well, okay. We don't need their corrupt financial system anymore. And that's true, but really Bitcoin's a very public chain. All the transactions are visible. I think that's going to be valuable for, you know, transactions that people want known. But I think there is a really strong case for privacy cryptocurrencies like Monero, like XX coin. Uh, that you can't see balances, you can't see transactions, you, you know, you use it and transact and it's a, it's pretty much a blind network that works because you can inspect the code. Okay. Join new tech. Uh, during the early aughts, the internet was just beginning to pick up steam, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, join the wild west of online life. That's what we're in now with crypto, right? Uh, it was glorious back Back a handle millions of people worldwide joined the global conversation. There were no gatekeepers. The online space was open and free. Sadly, it took less than a decade for these platforms to curdle like bad milk, ultimately becoming controlling, censorious, and rabidly ideological extensions of the government. That's something we've discussed extensively here. But while the dinosaurs of old tech overplayed their hand, new tech is creating another digital Wild West, bringing the Internet back to its original form, decentralized online spaces where creativity flourishes. And that, I think, is how this period is going to be looked back on as the great decentralization. We are decentralizing money. We are decentralizing healthcare. I think, to some degree, is what's going to result out of this. We are flattening our society in a number of different ways. This is a great getting rid of these intermediaries and empowering the individual. That's what this transition, I think, is all about. It's time to leave old tech behind and join the new tech revolution. Odyssey, a YouTube competitor on that platform, of course, is a video platform which runs on its own decentralized blockchain. I, I wonder how decentralized it is in practice. I haven't looked into that. 
Users earn library cryptocurrency for watching videos, and these credits can be saved, used as tips to their favorite creators, or even exchange them for other cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. Content creators on Odyssey can accept tips in the form of library credits or cash. I can actually use that to stake two uh, videos. Someone gave me 60, I think, which lets me live stream if I have it staked against a video. And then you can uh, stake your coins or send them to me to stake. And other videos will rank higher in the search ratings, right? Because more people support that message. It's kind of an interesting concept. Their videos will never be removed, censored, or shadow banned. Gab.com, original Twitter alternative. Gab is becoming a force to be reckoned with. Starting from the ground up, Gab runs on its own private server, shielding itself from being canceled. The platform is also branching out from a Twitter-like social media site. Now Gab has its own advertising, Gabvertising, and it has Gab TV, which they're about to open up to everybody. It's a YouTube competitor. And it's currently creating their own in-house payments processor. I showed you the their uh, requirements for that very clear laid out. Here's the balances. Here's how we do it. That's the way it should be open and transparent. How was it with Stripe? Send us your application. Oh no. Um, register your account, verify your account, and then you can start accepting deposits. Okay. Thank you. You've gotten some deposits. Now send us your ID so that we can uh, verify your identity. Oh, you've gotten too many, de- a high volume of deposits. It was eight but because it went over $600, it triggered the government's KYC AML. Now send us biometric identity and we're going to deny it and cancel your funds and send them all back. And we're not going to tell you what, what you did wrong. Like that's the world they want this secret Stasi police force where they are in charge of all these transactions. They want the exact opposite of this. They want to be able to monitor all of your transactions, approve all of your purchases, control and manipulate your behavior on a financial level, on a per purchase level. There's an incredibly dangerous power that government cannot be trusted with. When society began embracing the internet during the early, oh wait, um, Yeah, during the early aughts, no one could foresee just how much our personal privacy we were giving away. Names, birthdays, credit card info, browser history, social security, and phone numbers, email contacts, text conversations, DMs, photos of friends, family, children. All of this has been continuously collected, stored, and sold to large corporations and filed away by big government. Threats posed by relinquishing control of our personal data aren't some tinfoil hat-wearing conspiracy theories. Edward Snowden tried ringing the alarm bell by whistleblowing against his employer, the NSA, when he uncovered the government's mass surveillance program targeting all American citizens, from social media posts to text messages and phone conversations to online purchases. All this data is being collected and stored by the most powerful governments in the world. What do they do? Had him route the traffic overseas and back, just bounce, relay it so that it could be international traffic, even though it was domestic. It's, it's just all, it's all so criminal, folks. And they'll never stop. Like, you're not going to get the right people in there. I'm sorry to say. The whole idea that we can fix this by just a lot. We need to get red tide. Red tide is going to fix this government, this corruption and criminal behavior, this system with flawed incentives and no idea who's doing what, no accountability as a result. 
that operates on coercion and violence alone and their willingness to kill the, those who disagree with them. But if we can just get the red team in there, they're going to fix it. They're going to make it better, just like the blue team did when they got controlled the last time or the red team before that or the blue team before that or the red team before that. Keep getting played for suckers, folks. From social media posts to phone messages, phone conversations, all this data to online purchases, all this data is being collected and stored by one of the most powerful governments in the world without probable cause or constitutional authority to do so. When governments collect information on citizens, it's secretly en masse. It's always for the consolidation of power and never for the protection of the people. For a vibrant, functioning parallel economy, we must leave these systems of surveillance and control. So he's saying get off Gmail, an email service that reads your emails and migrate to services that prioritize privacy. So he's talking about <clears throat> ProtonMail, a Swiss-based email service that uses end-to-end encryption. See, this was the first great decentralization. We had the internet that came along and decentralized publishing. And then we had peer-to-peer come along and decentralized information exchange. Of, and it was music and movies and uh, big files, whatever you wanted. You could use the torrent network. And we went through several iterations to get to torrents, right? And now that has been uh, decentralized. And now we're moving on, building on that to go and decentralize money. At which point all of these controls and these regulatory agencies crumble away at a time when their currency is dying, their government is literally, the people running their government are literally dying, and things are falling apart. Uh, So they're warning, though, about Proton. Both people have to use it for it to be encrypted end-to-end, and the email subject lines are always visible. So uh, German... Tunota, I don't know this one, but it's a German end-to-end encryption email service which provides slightly more privacy than ProtonMail, maintains user anonymity by not requiring a phone number to register as well as encrypting email subject lines, has 2FA. So I don't know that one, but and I'm kind of skeptical of it being in Germany. Mysterium is a decentralized peer-to-peer VPN service which allows users to run their own nodes instead of centralized servers like NordVPN or VPN Express. Of course, the problem is somebody downloads child porn or something, the government can come after you. So, uh, yeah, they're holding us back. Not that I want to see child porn traded, but these restrictions and all of this stuff, it holds us back. It keeps us in their cage, uh, in their system. You are not free to leave. They are going to provide you. They are going to protect the shit out of you, whether you want them to or not. That's what we have to realize. And it comes from you guys learning to solve your own problems instead of looking for somebody else to solve your problem for you, like the government or whatever. Start learning to build teams to figure these things out, to tackle some of these challenges, to create these local communities because we are about to be thrust headlong into that world. Most of us. It's coming. I've been telling you about it for a long time. 
and now you're starting to see it. And a lot of y'all are like, holy shit, Sam. They're saying what you said a year ago, six months ago. In order to maintain control, or let's see, most search engines uh, collect a slew of information, including websites visited, purchases made, interests, hobbies, personal predictions, and location. Data gathered, turn your location off on your phone so your apps can't get to it and start recording that. Remember 2,000 mules? That's what they did. That's where they got that data. These apps are selling your location to these data warehouses that want to pull it all in and sell it to the highest bidder. Data gathered is used to construct avatars of each user and then used to manipulate algorithms for tailored search results, also a social engineering tool. In order to maintain more control over our digital privacy, it's time to get off the standard search engines like Google and start turning to those that don't track searches or store data or sell personal info to third parties. Uh, Brave Browser, that's what I'm actually using right now. It's a source platform that does not track your searches or clicks and blocks data collecting ads, but it's Google tech, right? So who knows what else is in there and what it's doing. Search results are based off of Brave's own indexing, not Google's, making your online behavior even more secure. DuckDuckGo, which I think is Microsoft now. So again, who knows what they're doing to manipulate it. One of the most popular Google alternatives claims to be safe, secure without being tracked. Your search history or being stored. However, it's important to note there's been some speculation as to how private it truly is, primarily due to the optional cookie settings. Pre-Search is the first decentralized, uh, open decentralized search engine which runs on blockchain technology. Pre-Search boasts its privacy features as well as David versus Goliath vision, fighting for an honest search engine, one that doesn't manipulate algorithms in order to shift public perception to fit the narratives of oligarchs or technocrats. Delete yourself from the internet. Uh, the more our lives are online, the more data we leave behind for these large companies to scrape up and sell to the highest bidder without taking any measure to protect yourself. So there are services like delete me that you can pay to go out and kind of tidy up and clean up stuff about you. Homeschool your kids. Sending your children to an overpacked, one-size-fits-all, common core teaching government school is putting kids in the belly of the beast. In the parallel economy, it's important to take back the reins of control and no longer give money to institutions that work against the freedoms for which we're fighting. Don't hand them the sword that they're going to use to strike you down. There are alternatives to government schools, such as homeschooling, learning pods, private school, or charters. And you think about like uh, Jessica Rose back here and kind of what she's doing. Why couldn't there be these professional moms who want to take time off to spend time with their kids? That's, you know, an immunologist like Jessica that maybe wants to teach a class for a homeschool group online. And that's part of one of the things that she does and gets paid for. I mean, even in the current system, if you just let homeschoolers take the money that the government schools get, that's like, 10, 15,000, those are old numbers, but what it used to be a few years back. Um, they could do a lot with that to hire people like Jessica or similar in different disciplines to teach their kids collaboratively online some of the more advanced topics that the parents may not be comfortable uh, explaining. That's what awaits for us beyond this centralized monolithic system that we have. 
Ron Paul's homeschool curriculum focuses on non-biased, non-partisan approach to education with over 8,000 lecture videos, assignments, and projects. This is well-rounded, rigorous homeschool curriculum for motivated students. I've seen some of those. They're good. Um, let's see here. Start a learning pod. Consists of small groups of children from multiple families. We talked about that with, um, with Laura when we had her on. Planning is important in order to have a successful learning pod. Find the right teacher to lead the group. Charters funded through by public money, charter schools, which generally, you know, a little better. So just look for alternatives, basically, or create your own. That's the world we're moving into. Solve these problems. And, you know, another thing that's happening uh, with the decentralization is with firearms. Those things are being printed left and right these days. Uh, let me see if I can find one of the people. One of the people that I follow. Uh, bear with me for one second here, folks. I'm. Oh, yeah, yeah. I thought I had that in the show prep, but maybe I missed it. Um. 3D printed firearms are going a long ways, have come a long, long ways these days. Here's an example of one. This looks like a nine millimeter, an adapted um, like Glock, looks like a Glock magazine. It's got a little fold out shoulder mount. And that was 3D printed the gun. So what's happening, the ATF and their infinite wisdom have decided that the plastic part with the handle that holds everything is the gun. And that's one of the easiest parts to print because it can be made out of plastic. So there are all sorts of guns and you can print like a Glock 19 and then you can go on eBay and for $300 you can buy all of the other pieces that you need to put together a Glock 19. And the printers are uh, 2 250 range, I believe. So you buy all the components in the part kit. You can even 3D print the magazines. I'm seeing where they're 3D printing shotgun shells to be like armor pit piercing rounds. You know, we saw that guy um, take out the prime minister with a homemade gun. This is going to decentralize weapons manufacture. And, uh, you know, like right now, those, those kits for about 250 to 350, you know, you can spend more if you want something really fancy and whatever. Those are in China. You can get them now, but that may not always be the case. So what if you could have some kind of machine shop where you make these and you sell them to other people in the United States who are uh, 3D printing their, their firearms and buying their parts from you because you're domestic. So you'd have to create that little ecosystem and source those parts, but that's the kind of society I think that the, the mindset that you need to have is there's going to be a lot of 
things people are trying to do to make their life easier or whatever. Having firearms is one of them. I think we're going to have plenty in America for the near term anyway. Um, but if you can go in and set something up like that and create and basically bring that kind of manufacture and production of products of things that people will want in the world that we're going into. I mean, I showed a video of people making rope by hand and said the future of rope making, because we may not have the rope from China that comes out of the factory with all the automated machines. So if you can take some natural resources and make rope and sell it to your neighbors, maybe you've got something viable in that world where you can't get rope. So these are the things to think about. Let's see if there's anything else. No. So this is a really interesting thing to me that I've been kind of paying attention to since the ghost gunner and so forth. It's always been clear that like they're going, somebody's there. I think there's already fully automatic plans out there. So if you wanted to make a, print a machine gun you could but there there's no way to stop it at this point it's like the internet it's out of the bag it's out of the bag and if you think about it a 3d printer might not be a bad thing to have uh going into this world where you can't get parts if you can maybe print something you might be able to get you know get what you need done so Okay, um, if you have a passion, a skill or passion, it's time to throw your hat in the ring and start a business yourself. Are you a teacher? Find a learning pod to wit, in which to teach. Can you build websites, start your own freelancing gig, offering services in the new parallel economy? Maybe you're a healthcare worker. Set up a website and do home visits. There's plenty of consumers looking to patriotize forms that don't censor or cancel customers. While millions of people are being cast into second-class citizenry, a parallel economy is emerging. This new and this is what happens in these inflationary environments, which is part of the reason I'm reading this to you anyway. You go over to Venezuela, you've got dollars. There are people that can get you whatever you need, regardless of the restrictions and so forth, right? This new economy includes the concerted move to decentralize cryptocurrency, migrating to new tech, taking back control of our digital data, shifting away from centralized education, supporting like-minded businesses. Start small in whatever way possible, though leaving the old paradigm behind and creating a new feels like an insurmountable task with every small step taken the closer to reality. So, and of course, here he is. Uh, Citizen Zero does not use Google Analytics to track readers or earn money from Google advertisers. Please consider donating. <laughs> There's a lot of that, including me. So, it is what it is until it shakes out. But start small, take baby steps is kind of what he's saying, and look for opportunities. I think the important thing is to enter really with that kind of mindset. All right. Um, okay. I think we've got a couple more things here to cover. Uh, so here's another just obvious sign that people are waking up. This is son of a beach. I, I retweeted this tweet. He says, um, my family business is a casket manufacturer in North America. We've received two bulk orders for a sub five foot units. These are children's size. 
in less than six months. Never in 30 years of business have we ever sold child size coffins in bulk. And they're saying it's up 400%. Uh, the other ones were up 20%. I think this was in another tweet that he sent out. Of course, far, there were far fewer child deaths before the shots rolled out. Not anymore. They're murdering kids. Speaking of murdering kids, well, it turns out I've been had. <laughs> These photos were all faked, and I didn't catch it. But that's okay, because it's not like I made a misleading video clip that fooled a half million people to teach them to check their sources. <laughs> oh, wait. No, no, that's what I did. <laughs> And then I fell for it totally. So these were composted over, not the artwork there. The important thing, like this stuff's going to happen, right? The important thing, address it. Got it wrong. These were faked. It was not this death and destruction stuff. Eh, whatever. It happens, folks. And then also this one here. It's hard to believe it's only been a year um that we've had these vaccines and and we hit the 10 billion mark um i think it was a couple weeks ago 10 billion people around the planet have a, have had um at least one uh covid vaccine that's a, a remarkable achievement considering we didn't even considering uh i mean do, do you want to tell her or, or should i that there's only 8 billion people in the world this is one of the experts. The CSIS is this think tank group that's advising the policymakers in Washington, D.C. And I've been looking through some of their footage. I didn't have time to pull it all together, but this is a clip from one of them. Have a COVID vaccine two years ago at this time. And they have been proven flat out wrong. They were talking in this one about how hopefully we're through this and this is the final wave. And it's like, yeah. You have no idea what y'all are talking about. These so-called experts. Okay. Uh, that's it. If you guys have something you want to pipe up with, anything that we talked about tonight, uh, you can do that on Twitter Spaces. Just request the mic. If you've got a comment in the chat, you can do that there. I'll try and bring up uh, Rumble here as well for just a second. Um, you know, going back to the whole Joe Biden stuff, it's we're peak corruption. I mean, they have manipulated the system. Uh, what's going on behind the scenes, I think is we're going to find out is absolutely uh, horrific. And um, it's, it's the whole system's falling apart and it just shows you, this is sort of the natural result. And I completely blanked on what I was trying to, trying to find here. Oh, well, I, oh yeah, yeah. Rumble. <laughs> Thank you. Sorry. Bear with me. I just want to check comments over there. Cause I haven't had that open all night. Um, okay. Do you see a possible way, uh, that, that this inflation from the U S to not return or change where a complete breakdown is averted? No, I don't. Um, I think the biggest break that we can get 
um, as a Americans or as a human race is free energy finally comes out and not free as in free, but you buy a device and the device produces as much energy as you can use. You plug it into your house and you no longer have an electric bill. You no longer need a grid. You can unplug it from your house and go plug it into your car and you can drive your car forever or power your little spacecraft with it, right? That's the free energy is the genie in the bottle for the human race. That's why it's one of the biggest secrets and why the whole UFO program has been buried so deep because the elites, the cabal have been using this technology to their advantage, creating a breakaway civilization, benefiting themselves from these technologies while keeping them from us and keeping us on this uh, petrodollar paradigm that is literally killing the planet and poisoning us all to death when clean, free energy is available. But once they let that cat out of the bag, it's just like the internet. They'll never be able to control us again. They will lose all control. That's why it's got to come out of this collapse. So there you go. Um, Let me see if there's anything else here that I missed. So we talked about the Chinese. Yep. Nope, that's it. All right, guys. Um, Boy, yeah, it's kind of heavy to realize the Bidens are a bunch of pedophiles. And, uh, you know, the truth about Obama. (laughs) And just imagine how brazen they are to do something like that. To, like, those kids aren't even his. His wife is a man. And they sold that lie of the nuclear family to the American people. And he was like one of the most popular ones ever. They must be thinking so highly of themselves that what fools they made of all of us. So there you go. Thanks, everyone. Support the show if you can. I've got the website set up to thelifeboats.com. It's real basic, but it will be better. So now I can just reference that instead of all the different platforms I'm on. I've got some people helping me with it as well. So I'll turn that into something special here eventually and figure out the next evolutions of the show. Until then, I will catch y'all next broadcast. Take care, everybody. Can't see what's happening by now, then you're blind. They said it was to save lives. Yeah, that was a lie. The writing's on the wall, man. Can't you see the signs? Now they come in for the children. They just crossed the line. They said just give it time. Only three weeks and it will all be fine. They want you tuned in to that TV every night So that they can implant fear deeply in your mind Now in order to defeat them, yo, we need to unite The Ministry of Truth has taken over There's a reason that they chose Corona Yeah, Corona means crown, work it out Man, it's all symbolism from the beginning They told you, a virus of the mind Infecting your thoughts, but enough is enough Now we're saying no more We see the Trojan horse at the door This is war, we can't ignore the call Big brother's gonna fall Yeah, we gotta light the torch for humanity Cause 1984 wasn't fantasy George Orwell was warning what the plan would be Now you can see it all in their strategy Yeah, 
They wanna call us conspiracy theorists But right now we're the ones that are seeing the clearest This is social engineering How many alarm bells have to ring before people start to hear them? Serious Ah, can't you see this is deliberate? They hand out sanitizers and masks but not vitamins McDonald's stayed open Same time the gyms didn't The only pandemic is cognitive dissonance Yeah, this is totalitarian People are waking up so they need to keep scaring them Declaring new waves and new variants They got tricks up their sleeves so we gotta be prepared for them They choose what the facts are with their propaganda We know what their plans are so they won't get that far, nah You don't have to be Pythagoras to see that this ain't adding up How much until you've had enough? Ah, right now it's the last straw Yeah, they're slowly bringing in their passports It's been leading to this from the start Time to look into your heart now and choose what you stand for It's the dehumanization of the nation Erasing the basic foundations of human relations The emergence of apartheid creating segregation That's the road that they're paving Cause if you're not jabbed, then it's you that they're blaming It's you that is dangerous, mass manipulation Coercing you to get penetrated What's the difference between that and a rapist? I think their plot's got some holes They want you to follow rules, but they don't It's a joke, now it's coming to the end of the road It's a fight for our souls How much of your life have they already stole? And how much more will they try to? How much will you turn a blind eye to? Roll up your sleeve and get a free donut to eat Can't you see they're trying to bribe you? What's really in that concoction? How many adverse reactions till we stop this? How many must die for power, lies and profits? I refuse to just stand by watching, no that is not an option What if that was your kid? Maybe then you would start talking Maybe then you'd see the point The children need a voice We need to fight for their future before it's destroyed